Hello, and welcome back to We Heart Hartnett, the podcast dedicated to exploring the filmography of the actor Josh Hartnett, movie by movie. I am host number one, Patrick Willems. I am host number two, Jacob Torby. And I am host number three, Matthew. Hmm, okay, <laughs> seemed a little less, this is more lackluster than I that. also, I, I took advantage of the fact that I'm always the one to speak first, that I got yeah. to be host number one. Yeah, yeah. Will, we, will me and Matt ever get to be the first yeah. to speak on yeah. these episodes? Uh, we'll let the listeners decide, and listeners, Vote. Let's, let's, I should tell you right now, they're bad at speaking, and I'm way better at this intro, Whoa. and you there's should... literally hours of, of you know, of audio proof that we are actually that like, strong you, trust speakers. Me, you don't want to hear them do the intro. It would be very bad for everyone involved, but It'll enough good. about us, because we have a guest. We'll talk That's about right. this later. A guest, yeah. a good friend of ours, friend of the podcast, friend of ours, collaborator of ours, we are joined by actor Comfort Clinton, who you may have seen on television shows like Billions, on which she recently got fictional TV married. Mm-hmm. Uh, Congratulations. Oh, Congratulations. Thank you. The, thank da- you. the Daily yes. Show, Loner SVU, mm-hmm. Elementary. So Comfort, welcome to the show. How's it going? Thank you. It is going great. I'm so excited to be here. We're excited to have you. This is, uh, this is a big moment. It's a big moment. I know. It I mean, it, it's, a, it's a moment where you get to speak about Josh Hartnett publicly on the internet. I've, yeah. dreamed, I've dreamed about this moment for so long. It's a, it's yes. a huge opportunity. It's, it's actually, it's actually it a huge opportunity, and please don't blow it. I'm, I'm, I'm very nervous. Like, I uh, don't know what's going to happen. I know. This could you be what launches your career. Not this any of the, big break. I'm not any of the TV sure. shows you've been on. Like a, like a big cigar-chomping director is going to listen to this podcast and be like, <laughs> I like her voice. Yep, that girl's got opinions. <laughs> yeah, yes. like Get voice, your man. voice. Listen, if you're on Billions, then... This is trillions. <laughs> okay? Think of it like that. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A higher number. Yeah. And uh, that, honestly, yes. that is also meta. That's an example of the level of funny or clever you have to be at any great, moment. Great, great. Okay, low. I feel good. Exactly. That's extremely <laughs> low. Matt's setting a really high bar. The bar yeah. For just high. humor mm-hmm. on this show. And so, Comfort, you're actually one of the first people that we lined up to be a guest because yes. you saw... The announcement. I did. Back I when, saw it when on it, Instagram. Yeah, when it came out, and I believe you you texted me saying you have a podcast, <laughs> like probably in all caps. I yes. think I think so. Very likely. And yeah. I, well, that was very exciting for me because I've felt for a long time that you would be a really good podcaster. Because every time we hang out, Patrick just tends to speak like forever about movies no. as if there's no one else around <laughs> no. and he just monologues mm. and it's like he should <laughs> yes. just do this into a microphone rooms uh, empty out and then all. the bartender's brooming the fl- sweeping the floor as the as the venue closes and I'll say but then Brian De Palma entered the next stage <laughs> of his career and I'm like keep on going but so comfort this is a segment that we're going to do right now that yes. the audience loves. The, the, the fans are always, they're yelling at us for, for more of these. We, they want us to yeah. have random just people yeah. on appearing. <laughs> I like, got attacked in the street one time <laughs> about just, this. Yeah, just someone screaming like, do another Hartnett <laughs> history. Oh, what was that accent? That's all they said to me. That was, that <laughs> they, was knocked, fun. <laughs> they punched me in the face and then loomed over me and said, do another. I better see more Hartnett histories. <laughs> you want to know my Hartnett history? <laughs> But I couldn't talk because there was too much blood in my mouth. Yeah, <laughs> and that person wow. never got That's their yes or no answer. Podcast. I know, but, but guys, guys, this is a segment we call Hartnett Histories, and so comfort. Yes. Yeah. What is your Hartnett history? When did you first? Actually, two part question. Mm, yes. When did you did you first hear of Josh Hartnett, mm-hmm. and when did you first 
encounter a film starring Josh Hartnett. Mm. Ah, yes. Well, I'm glad you asked it that way because the two mm. things are actually fairly far apart. Fantastic. Um, I grew up as, you know, I was a teenager, I guess, in the time when he was like at his prime heart throbbiness. What we like to say is that we're all members of the Josh generation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I was, you could say I was raised on Josh. Yeah. <laughs> you could. Did, did you, you we say that Josh raised you? Yeah. Would you say that Josh is like a father figure to you? I would say so, yeah. Yeah. Josh yeah. is in a way like a father figure to all of us. He's a father. So he's, a, he's a brother. He's kind of like the cool uncle. Yeah, he yeah. taught me how to be a man. Exactly. But so, we're the Josh generation. Yeah. He taught me how to be a, a, a lady, obviously. Um, <laughs> no, well, actually, like, I, I had a lot of friends in middle school who were very obsessed with him. Right. And I remember thinking at the time that he probably changed his name because, like, how could his name be Hartnet? Like, you're a heartthrob, and your your name is, like, a thing where you could just put a net out and rake in all the hearts. Like, I that's know. crazy. Yeah. That's, I know. It just doesn't it's happen. Too, it's too good, and Josh it's too is a good. Cool first name. You get caught good in, branding, in the really. heart net. Yeah. And, but, then, and, and the fact is that his name is Josh Hartnett. But it's real. I know. Joshua some Daniel just Hartnett. Walk yeah. in the light, you know. Or as they say on Wikipedia, Joshua Daniel, in quotations, Josh. Yeah, oh. Josh, just in case oh. you didn't know the nickname for Joshua. To his friends. He's one of those Josh. guys that seems born with too much. Mm. Like God gave with you both know. hands. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. His cup runneth over. <laughs> okay? He's like John Hamm is the other guy I think of. Who I'm just like, chill. Yeah. <laughs> and chill his out, name's dude. John Hamm. Which yeah. Is Why can't you True. be bad at singing or not funny or not good at sports? I think I, we or, don't. Josh is not good not at singing. Not a great dramatic actor. Well, we, we don't know. We we. We don't know that. Has Josh ever sung in a movie? Ooh. Not that one, one, not one we've seen. Maybe he sings in Bunraku. Yeah. He could I sing in so. Bunraku. I hope so. Sorry. No, oh, no. We're, we're, we're butting in, and, and we want to know about your heart and history. Okay. So yeah. you're, okay. you're, 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 uh, you're a tween. His name, yes. And, and, and your friends, My friends were obsessed Josh. with him. And so I definitely, like, and, but let's be clear, all of this was based pretty much solely on what he looks like, because <laughs> none of us had seen any of his movies at sure. this point. Like, we were not going at 13 to Black Hawk Down. It just wasn't. It just wasn't happening. The tween girls weren't doing it. Or yep. my, my friends weren't, anyway. It is funny um, how he was in a surprisingly few movies that were yes. accessible to, like, yeah, like, younger teenage girls. Because, like, a thing that we've talked about before is that in Josh's career, we feel like he lacked his The Notebook. Yeah. Like, the movie that, that teen girls are going to watch at sleepovers. And right. actually, when we had my sister on the show, she talked about how at a sleepover when she was in high school, they watched Wicker Park mm-hmm. and were confused. Oh. Yeah. And that was kind of the closest he got to, like, the teen girls sleepover movie. I mean, maybe yes. 40 Days and 40, 40 Nights. 40 Days and 40 Nights. But that's also but that's an R-rated rated film. R, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and there's and, a sea of boobs in that movie. Yes. There is. Yes. It's disgusting. It's yeah. weird. <laughs> it's so awful. Yeah. <laughs> But so, so you didn't really see many Josh so, movies. So no, this was based yeah. purely on probably like you know manufactured posters that they gave to tween girls. Um, he's the person you need to know about now. Yeah, right. Exactly. This is what's hot right now. Um, and then eventually, I saw him in a movie. I rented a blow dry. Yes. Yes. Blow yes. dry. Blow, blow dry. Favorites. <laughs> yep. It that is. was my first actual you know acting. Heartnet experience. You are maybe the only person on the planet to ever say that. I hey, yeah. I stand by it, and I'm proud. <laughs> Did you Very like proud. what he was doing in that movie? I think 
so. Well, I we mean, have to also say at the time what was at that age. Yeah, exactly. Right. What was your opinion? Right. right. I remember just being like, "Oh, he's very attractive," <laughs> which I already knew. Oh. Alan Rickman so, has an oddly attractive American son. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, but it was. I don't know. I remember being entertained by it. I guess. But like you said, I don't. Like when you brought when I found out you were doing this podcast, I was like, "Oh, Josh Hartnett, like teen heartthrob." And then I started to think, like, what was the rom com that I know him from? But there really teen wasn't one. Where? <laughs> you know, that's that, the real question. Exactly. I, I know, where? and and it's like the the only real rom com he did was Forty Days and Forty Nights. Yeah, which is weird which because is... he's just really stressed out and high strung the whole movie. Yep. And what yeah. we talked about on our previous episode is in. Lucky number seven. There's kind of a rom com within that movie that we think should have just been the whole movie. And you mm-hmm. know who? And it was with your best friend Lucy Liu. Oh, yeah. Lucy Liu. She's yeah. a wonderful person. Really? That's yes. Great. That's yes. great. I, love, uh, I just I saw her, her in the Netflix original film Set, Set It, it up, up, which mm-hmm. is real good. Yep. Wait, so I auditioned for that. Yep. <gasps> Wait. What, what role? The yeah. the bitchy model girlfriend. Yes. Oh my god. Oh, yes. <laughs> you would have been. You would have been mind good blown. at that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take that as a compliment. Oh, you could have done that. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you would have been so good you as the been bitchy so model girlfriend. You would have been so good as the bitchy model. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they should have cast it. you. I'll take it. It is well, a great you know, so, she, the, the girl they cast was great. You know? It's all good. She was it's all fine. Good. She was fine. Were you like, it's Lucy, fine. remember when I was a dead body? <laughs> and try and get an edge on the other people? I should have. Actually, what? Never got to that point. Were you just a dead body on elementary? or No, I had I had a longer line. First, I, uh, apologies for not being familiar with all all of your work. That is okay. It's oh, I don't right. know anything about anything. <laughs> well, I'm happy except to the movie we're talking about. Happy to tell you. Um, yeah, no. So I had so, I had like a line, and then I was just dead. Did you get? To it was a, a good line. Did you have? Like what was one, your line? I don't remember, but I, it was it was a good line. Did your oh, character so, deliver it and then get murdered? Yeah, get killed and then, later. And Wait, later. do you die on camera? No, she you comes and finds my. So body. you don't get a death scene. Did something weird happen to your body? Did you get like? Cut in half or decapitated or no, something? No, I got strangled. Uh, um, you didn't get black dolly But it, <laughs> Yeah, that was not. wild. Oh, that would have been... Oh. That would have been that, gruesome. That would have yeah. been a yeah, lot... Yeah, you would have spent a lot of time doing, like, body casts well, and stuff like that. Well, the next episode they were working on, the there was a victim who was cut in half. So, Whoa. actually, the prosthetic process was really cool. I Working with it. that team, and they had to put, like, a whole thing on my neck to make it look like I had been strangled. That's it, awesome. They're incredible oh, at what they do. Second but, question. I have another question. Yes. Sorry to mm. derail us completely. I want to just keep talking totally about fine. being a dead body on elementary. Well, that, yes, well I was going to ask about SVU. Sure. Which In, in which you I also died. I was not died. a dead body. No, I did you didn't not die. die. I made it. No. Fuck. Yeah. Matt, remember we saw part we of the We watched it. Yeah. We watched it via Skype when... <laughs> when, what? when Wait, Comfort Time Not told you about this? This was like your so. first big role that we were aware of, and I'm sorry. Though. Okay, so... No, no, that was my first big role so we, I was aware of. We were doing uh, one of our like weekly uh, writing meetings with past guest in front of the show, Mike Curran. Yay, who presently watched Blow Dry and did the Blow Dry episode. Yes. Yeah. He got first dibs on Blow Dry. And was Aquaman. Yeah. Yes. And, Hello. And, 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 and of course, we all worked together Obviously. on Aquaman, the teen Best drama. known for Aquaman. Exactly. Also, there's an Aquaman <laughs> movie coming out. This year, but we were the first ones to create a live-action on-screen Aquaman. We were there first. Take that, Jason Momoa. Moving on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Friend mm-hmm. of the show, Mike Curran. But don't get angry because uh, you're so strong. Yeah, it's scary. Because <laughs> you yeah. could take us. You yes. would destroy us. Yep. Uh, but so it's so, all good. 
It's all good. But we're so we're skyping in with it's Mike cool, because baby. he's in Philadelphia, and he's like, "Sorry, one sec, guys. While we're talking, I'm just gonna put on Law and Order SVU." He loves that show because yeah. because really? the season finale is on, and I knew that you were on the season finale, and I was like, "Oh yeah, guys, I forgot to mention." Comfort on this episode, and then we're everyone's like, "What?" <laughs> and we look at, and Mike turns his like computer toward the TV, and there you are, and we're all <laughs> watching the episode through, through his Skype. Computer. Yeah, and we double screened it. Amazing, yeah. nice. Yes. Yeah, so it was crystal clear. Crystal Audio was clear, sharp, really high def. <laughs> exactly. Sure, that's the way it was meant to be watched. It, yeah. it is. It's like Christopher Nolan wanted you to watch Dunkirk through Skype on someone else's TV. Through totally. your friend's iPad's Skype. That's yes, the real on way to an watch airplane, it. yes. Exactly. <laughs> That's, That's the ideal way to yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. so, wait, Matt, did you ask your question that you were going to ask? I, just, I thought she was dead. SV- oh. oh, oh. I'm sorry. Well, my question was, <laughs> no, I thought you were... <laughs> disappointed. So you. how is it... As someone who wants to be a dead body in movies. That's true. Yeah. Know. Well, so how is it laying very, very still while celebrities walk around mm. and look at you? That was tricky, actually. I learned through this process that I am terrible at like just being still, and especially if someone gets close to me with a hand. Oh, oh there's <laughs> uh, a lot of flinching. To any, any casting directors listening, she's got. That was not true. I'm very good she, at she's it. She's gotten a lot better since then, and now is yep. like a total pro when I'm it comes to that stuff. Does you ever want to? I would feel like I would want to laugh a lot. Yes, because they are probably very seriously talking about like. Like, yeah. like, especially in elementary, where he's just like, it appears a throat slit, but there's it's a twist, <laughs> or whatever dumb shit. It is, <laughs> and your it corpse is, is just intense. smiling in the on the ground. And like, then Lucy Liu pokes you. What is that yeah. guy's name? In Johnny Lee Miller. Thank Johnny you. Lee Miller. Yeah, he directed my Hackers. episode too. Actually, uh, hey, oh, you yeah. were directed by what's his name in Train Spotting? Yes, oh, but not Bagby. I don't know. No, not Spud. Not Spud. Not, not Renton. Pony Boy is the no Pony Boy. That's from the other yeah, dude. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the other one, yeah, the, the other spiky-haired one. cool one that in the second one owns a club. Oh, it's a pub. Oh. Pub. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Nice. And well, anyway, thank I've you. Only for, seen one, so I didn't. Thank know. you for filling us in on the oh. question that we really had. Okay, You're so, so cycling way back. How did we even get on this topic? Back we were talking to about your acting career, your heart and history. Heart and oh, history. We were talking about how Josh didn't really have yes. his kind of his. Like, his notebook, his right. rom-com, I, his movie that, like, 12 or 13-year-old girls would watch. Exactly. Like, in my mind, he's sort of like a Heath Ledger type who had 10 mm. Things I Hate About You. And, and a Night's Tale. Tale. And, and then a Night's Tale, exactly. But Lest he doesn't forget. actually have that type of movie when I looked back at his filmography. Isn't that weird, though, that sort of, like, the culture just still built up the heartthrob yes. image around it regardless? Days of Heaven we're forgetting. Or... Place here on Earth. Alex? Here on Earth. I'm sorry. Okay. No, no. Oh. Here on uh, Comfort. Have you seen Here on Earth? I have not. No. Uh, if you want to listen to us yell into microphones angrily a lot about a movie, listen to our third episode. No, sorry, fourth episode. Here yeah. on Earth. Okay. It oh, is boy. the romantic drama starring Josh as the third lead. The first, the two main leads are Chris Klein and Lily Sobieski. Oh, it's I, a disaster mm-hmm. of a film, and Chris Klein plays maybe the least likable romantic protagonist. Of all time. Wonderful. That's an understatement. And what yeah. does Josh play? Josh plays the really nice boyfriend to Lily Sobieski oh. that she just ditches because yeah. she likes this rich asshole who moves into their town. Yeah. Oh. Josh is an angel yeah. through that yeah. whole film. And, does, and she's just not into it's it. It's a very confusing no, movie. There yeah. she is. They have like seemingly like a nice a relationship. relationship, and then Chris Klein just moves in, and then he like recites a poem, and she's just like, "Ooh, I'm I'm really I into see. you now." Yeah, yeah. I see. Chris Klein has abs and says a poem that she likes. Meanwhile, and, well, 
Josh is getting cucked and is like essentially like the emotional bedrock of her entire life. Yeah, yeah. It's a oh it's my. a dreadful film. It is a it's just it's very bad. It, it is infuriating. Okay. So oh, I need uh, to see it. I, I have never saying. longed for the deaths of of main characters <gasps> in a movie the way I have the two main characters in Here on Earth. Yeah. Oh wow! And but I would still w- rank that movie the most enjoyable hate watch of the movies we've had to watch. Yeah, well, that 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 movie is enjoyable in a very very. You yeah. can't watch that movie Sadistic and not have a visceral yeah. reaction but, to yeah. it. Okay. But, but, got it. That but? is the closest you'd ever come to something that I, I don't think it's rated R. I, no. I, yeah. It's something that there's hot guys in it. It's like a. It's romantic. A, it's romantic. Well, the thing is, like, it okay. also has similarities to. Uh, when Mary was on, she was talking about it's, it has similarities to A Walk to Remember. Yeah. Right. And yeah. That it's a love mm. story, and then mm-hmm. uh, the female lead. Has cancer. Gets sick, yeah. Oh. And I, uh, but yeah, but also, uh, no one saw Here on Earth, and people saw Walk to Remember. Yeah. And so, and also, Josh is not one of the two main leads. He's mm-hmm. the guy. He's like the nice guy who just lets his girlfriend be with the other guy. Yeah. And and so Josh didn't. Re- yeah, he didn't have that movie. And so mm-hmm. Blow Dry was bizarrely <laughs> maybe the your, closest thing. Yeah, for me, it was gateway mm-hmm. to Josh. And mm-hmm. you thought and you, you thought it was okay at the time. I enjoyed it at the time. I, I thought maybe I don't remember exactly now, but I remember thinking it was a little strange, but that it was entertaining. Have you seen it? Since then, no, I haven't. Which I actually need to, mm. would love to do. It is it's a, it's a weird movie. Yeah. yeah, it's a very weird movie. Yeah. Also, listen to our episode as a nice companion piece to it. I will. You're doing a lot I of that will. sort of like Marvel, you know, look at back at issue thirty-seven exactly, for, <laughs> and uh, you know, to understand this reference I'm making, see this previous episode. Blow dry is fascinating, but so that was the first Josh movie you saw. But yes. you said there's, you have the, a two-pronged answer. Uh, well, I mean, the other part of it is the first movie I saw in theaters, I think, was The Black Dahlia. Whoa. I know. That's the movie we're talking about. I wanted it to is. be involved in this episode. But yeah. then I realized that that may be a lie, and I think I saw Sin City in theaters. But, <laughs> but, Wait, so what happens but, in Black Dahlia? Shit. <laughs> Matt, Matt hit his microphone. Matt hit Technical his microphone. difficulties. Matt got so excited he's thinking good. about the Black Dahlia. No, I mean... <laughs> but but I mean, this well, is his... Like, he's, you know, the main... One of the... He is. Definitely the main characters yeah. in this, and smaller part in Sin City. So Sin I'm City? just going to go with this. He's in okay. Sin City for a maximum four minutes. Right. Yeah. It is. You're not cameo. sure. You're not sure which one it was. Yeah. Um, which one? What was that you saw in theaters? I mean, I definitely saw Sin City in theaters, right? And okay. that came out first. That, right? that was the so, first Josh movie I saw yes, in theaters. Technically, it was that. But this is his first real, like you know, male lead role that I've seen. Yes. Yeah. Okay. In so, theaters. So if you're just joining us now, which you're not, <laughs> you've been listening since <laughs> the start because Obviously. this is not broadcast live forward. on the radio. We're talking about the 2006 film *The Black Dahlia*, directed by Brian De Palma, written by Josh Friedman, another Josh, and based on the novel by James Elroy. That is a fictionalized story based around the real-life unsolved murder of Elizabeth Short. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And Correct. yeah, it is a, a fairly like seminal LA crime noir novel. Right. Uh, it it came out in 1987, year I was born, and uh, and kind of really launched James Elroy's career. Of course, he would write L.A. Confidential, which was made into a movie that is much more highly regarded than yeah. the Black Dahlia. People film. like L.A. Confidential. They don't like this movie. And uh, and and the Black Dahlia film. They tried to make it for years. It was in development for a long time, and then it finally ends up getting made with De Palma directing. 
and it doesn't make a lot of money, it doesn't get very good reviews, and it gets nominated for the Academy Award for Best Cinematography. Old Vilmo Sigmund. Yeah. yeah. And uh, anyway. It guys. does break even in the box office. Yeah. I mean, that's not considered a success, but it's but literally right. better just than, break even, yeah, right? Literally. It was like budget was $50 million and it, and made, it, it 50 made $50 million. million. Like, Is that basically? right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so just to get the ball Everybody rolling. made $0. Um, <laughs> <laughs> everyone recoup their money and then moved on. I'm going to just read uh, the first paragraph of the Wikipedia plot synopsis for The Black Dahlia. It says, on January 15th, 1947, LAPD detectives Dwight Bucky Bleichert, that's Josh, and Lee Blanchard, that's Aaron Eckhart, investigate the murder and dismemberment of Elizabeth Short, soon dubbed the Black Dahlia by the press. Bucky learns that Elizabeth was an aspiring actress who appeared in a pornographic film. Through his investigation, Bucky learns that Elizabeth liked to hang out with lesbians. He goes to a lesbian nightclub and meets Madeline Linscott, played by Hilary Swank, who looks very much like Elizabeth. Madeline, who comes from a prominent family, tells Bucky she was very close with Elizabeth, but asked him to keep her name out of the papers. This is a lot for one paragraph. <laughs> it is a lot. Um, yeah. you're, you're almost at the like finish you're line. You're in the though. middle of the In movie, exchange for his silence, she promises him sexual favors, continuing his <laughs> relationship with Madeline. Bucky meets her wealthy parents, Emmett and Ramona. Jesus Christ. That is, <laughs> that's that was... like the first bit. 40-something minutes? <laughs> at least. Of this. Like, also... And hour the rest of yeah. the plot synopsis really is very, very long, but it, it's weird that it begins mm. with it's very long. with the murder because that doesn't happen for a while in the movie. I think in, in the book, so I should just mention, because I'm an obsessive weirdo, I decided to read the novel before this episode uh, so that we just talk about it, how the film works as an adaptation. And so I read the novel which is better than the movie. And I don't think they surprise, like they surprise. find the body until page 70 really? or you so. Deep how many pages is oh, that yeah, book? How long is the, the book? The book is about like 325 pages. Ooh, All right, okay. so what is that in hours of movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 70 pages? Yeah, but so anyway. page per minute? Now that we, we know what the movie's about. <laughs> no. I mean, this is a, you know, it's a 1940s L.A. noir story. Yeah. But... Comfort, you saw this in theaters. I, I think the rest of us only Maybe. saw this. Saw this <laughs> no, for, no, I did see it in theaters. Okay, all right, all right. I I mean, the rest of us, we only saw it for the first time, like, yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Okay. But so, Comfort, you saw this 12 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what What made you... Dis- Let's talk about the passage of time. Right <laughs> yeah. Now. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I'm the one who just said I was born in 87, so yeah. at least you weren't born then. I'm actually 17 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I can't age. <laughs> I I ate this piece of candy when I was when I was seventeen, and I just stopped growing. Yeah, that's what the guy told me who gave it to me. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) but so comfort. Yeah, you you actually saw this movie twelve years ago. Yes. Uh, What made you decide to go see this in theaters? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. Um, I think part of it was that at the time, living in the suburbs of New Jersey, like. We went to a lot of movies in yeah. early yeah. high school, end of middle school. Nothing to do. There was, yeah, that was kind of your thing that you did. Wait, where in New Jersey? <laughs> Would you like my home address? <laughs> no. I'm from Madison. Um, Princeton. <laughs> Princeton oh, area. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Is there a lot to do in Princeton? No. Like, not really. Not really. Do you We've yeah. been there. Anywhere I mean, in Jersey. It's Princeton a college, college town, games. so if you're of that age, there's yeah. stuff to do. But right. when you're younger but when you're than that. Kid, when you're a little yeah, kid, you go see the Black Dahlia. You go to the Black Dahlia. That's what you do. Our dad, our dad made us do hooky and see Godzilla 2000. 
No, it was was it Godzilla two thousand? Oh, yeah. or was it ninety eight? The, the no, Matthew Broderick. Ninety eight. That's, that's ninety eight. You idiot. Oh fuck. You fucking mm, Godzilla two thousand is a Japanese movie. <laughs> yeah, dad yeah, definitely did not take. No, but thing. I remember our dad. Our dad hand wrote uh, slips saying that we had to go to the doctor <laughs> From both so that of we you? could see Matthew Broderick and Jean Reno fight, <laughs> fight a big CGI shitty looking Godzilla and run through Madison Square Garden and tee with up tiny a Godzilla. Tee up a sequel that uh, never arrived. Yeah, your dad sounds pretty cool, actually. Oh, he was really cool. That's, Mark that's Torpy awesome. is a great man. Shout out Mark Torpy, mm-hmm. who's not listening. So, do you well, think just in case, just getting into your parents' head though, why would that be something that they would want? Because <laughs> this was their well, money they were no, spending. Well, definitely subsidized by them, but I'm trying yeah. to think. Subsidized. No, I went by myself <laughs> with some friends. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, like I don't think they came to this. No, and, uh, with one me. of your friends like it's rated Ooh, R. It's got that Josh Hartnett in it. Well, we were really cool. No, Damn. I have no idea how we. I, but I don't think my parents came to this with me. I'm sure I went. Yeah, with we friends. bought tickets were, to were Nacho Libre. Yeah, but then that's you probably what happened. Dahlia, you know, guys, <laughs> yes. I did that once uh, in 2004. And then also saw uh, Nacho Libre. <laughs> yeah. in 2000. You know, guys, one know how how much of a badass I am. In 2004, I went to the movie theater, and I really wanted to see. The Incredibles. Nice. But it was sold out, so I bought a ticket to The Grudge, and then I went to see a children's film instead. <laughs> wow. That's really cool, dude. I know. Wow. Like wow. psychology or something. Exactly. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm using it loosely. <laughs> and so, so, so do you know what? It was just like a movie to see. I think so. And obviously Josh Hartnett. I uh, mean, yeah. like, Hartnett. Really, yeah, was it that? Like, I think that might have been friends? part of it. And for whatever reason, I did actually know about this uh, crime this yeah. case really? um, before the movie. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know why. I yeah. have no idea why. Yeah, but it had come up. Are your parents I mean, yeah. like into murder mysteries or anything like that? Mm, crime. Yeah, my dad reads a lot of those like mm, you know yeah books, but uh, I don't know if that Did was you read why. True I, have, crime I truly books have no idea why. Yeah. No, no. Now mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with true crime, but yeah. at the time, definitely not. Well, if you so want, I will say I've seen this movie. If you want some sort of fictional. Mildly true crime. I would recommend the Black Dahlia book. Yeah, it's. Okay. A, I, I will say. So we should just say now. I'm not a big fan of this movie. Not I'm a fan. Not, I'm yeah. not a big fan. Comfort. Not so mm. much. Not great. But I will Did say. Did you have a blast in the theaters, or what? Or you I dazzled? Am, I, I, I remember being fairly disappointed. Even as a child. I'm sorry, Josh. I mean, well, she wasn't that young. I wasn't that <laughs> young. Was this, her yeah, teen, but, I like, mean, she was a teen. I was yeah. an older teen. I mean, yeah. How old do you think Comfort is, Matt? <laughs> I'm 17. Oh, I'll I'm take 17. It. So I'll take know. it. It's fine. <laughs> I was a little baby. Remember the candy, Matt ate? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so you weren't crazy movie. about it, but I will say. I wasn't. I wasn't. You did request this episode. Yes, I, I totally did. <laughs> well, I requested blow dry first. To be fair, to be fair, yeah. and, to and, be and old, fair. old old sneaky Mike. He had gotten yeah. there first. He snuck in. Damn it! And I was like, "How the fuck did two people request <laughs> of blow all dry? The movies. How are those the first two movies that, that, Wait, that were what, requested? What else was like highly requested? Oh, actually, um, what was I, highly I, I, sought after on, on the day. So, well, none because so, well, so um, <laughs> so Mike had blow dry lined up before we even announced the podcast. Wow! Uh, but on the day, you really beat me. Okay. On the day it was announced, I. Yeah, uh, you were one of the first people to get in touch, yes. and then and, and then my friend Sid, who was on last week's episode, requested Lucky Number Eleven. Okay, and and then all the other people did request that as well, but like that was the first. That's the most that, requested. That, yeah, 
And uh, that was that was the big one. Not like Pearl Harbor or uh, Black Hawk no. Down. We didn't no. have None a, of the big names. We really. didn't have a guest on Pearl Harbor. Uh, I mean, we haven't had that many guests. And we actually asked our friend Scott to be on Black, Black Hawk, Hawk Down, Down just because of uh, previous acting stuff that he'd done. We thought that he could bring some perspective on like playing like military characters. Oh, okay. And uh, to that, but... But yeah, it was very surprising that Blow Dry came up that often because I'm like, how do hey. people even know what this movie is? I have a question. Wait, we're talking about Comfort being on the show. We didn't, she didn't finish her answer. Oh, About sorry. why she requested Black Dahlia. Oh. oh, no, it was simply because this was what I remembered to be the first thing You'd okay. seen of his that I had seen in theaters. Mm. And oh. now, now I know that I saw Sin City first. Okay, but. see, I really thought that you had like... Like okay, what's what's comforts like big like take on Bla- the Black Dahlia? Like <laughs> oh, I, what, have I, I assume she has so much to this. say about no, it. No, oh, it's I that don't. you saw it. It's that I yeah, saw you it. Weren't getting that. That's why <laughs> I had a question. Of his movies, I have not. I have not seen that many of his I filmography. Mean, uh, on, well, we've seen. We're very well versed, but until this podcast, we hadn't seen a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. Most well, of them. okay. So my question is, Pat, you're the control group because you've read the book. So you yes. read the fully told narrative as typed out by the man himself, James. 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 Uh, Jamie. James. Jake, I, I, like I thought you were in agreement with me. I saw this yesterday. When did you watch I it? I rewatched it this morning. This morning. Yes. Okay. okay. We're all did fresh. You, fresh. Did you... Were you able to follow the plot? N- no. Me neither. Just, Me neither. Just, just, just Thank no. Thank you. Pat is the only one who no. actually felt like there was a story because he, he, had, had, he had sort of like, um, you know, built the framework that the author well, had already Right, Because right. right. I was watching this last night, and I was actually really, when you guys just mentioned before uh, it's nonsense. we got a mic, that you, you were like, yeah, this plot was incomprehensible. I was like, oh, Really? I well, think you know that makes pro- sense based on what I've read online that yeah. like, the, if you've read the book, this is right. more well, understandable. You know what the problem with the movie is? And, well, just to speak a little generally about why we're so befuddled as to what was actually going on, is the plot might not be incomprehensible, right? But well, I don't think it isn't comprehensible. Right. It's like just if we sat down and paid convoluted. very, very close attention to the movie, we should be able to get it. I think that mm-hmm. the movie is just doesn't make anybody in, I mean I think I can speak for all three of us none of us were interested enough in revisiting or like <laughs> pausing and going wait a minute what did they talk about in that last I scene I did that Let's once back. You did? and then was like that wasn't worth it <laughs> I still don't understand because the movie is so deadpan and I think I think we all thought it was kind of boring it's so boring sorry it's a little boring I, I really so the I last 20 minutes back. I felt more engaged with it but up until I mean, it then gets, it no. gets really melodramatic in the last 20 minutes exactly so well, that's when you're sort of like oh let me tune back in to what we're doing here yeah. Pat but you were saying they that, tore yeah. an hour out of this thing okay uh, can I actually get into the behind the scenes stuff please and, and, well in terms of like the development of this project because I think it is really interesting uh, just in terms of this movie almost turned out so differently. Sock it to us. So, mm-hmm. in, uh, in 1998, before, uh, a year before Fight Club even came out in theaters, David Fincher signed on to make this movie. So, Fincher was developing it from choice. the late 90s onward, and this was his plan. And... As you might remember, Fincher has that weird gap in his filmography between 2002 with Panic Room and then 2007 with Zodiac. Okay. He's never had a five-year gap between movies before, although... Gone Girl was pretty long he's ago. He's got a four-year gap, I think, right now. What was but, his last movie? 
Gone Girl. Gone Girl, Which yeah. is interesting, too, because Zodiac is another, like, very famous, unsolved, L.A.-based murder. Mm, it sure. is. And, and Fincher had this funny period where he was developing this for a while, uh, and then he was also going to make Mission Impossible 3, and then that also didn't end up happening. And Fincher, with the same writer, Josh Friedman, who is the sole credited writer on this, they, they wrote this, I found this interview with Josh Friedman, where he talks about basically working with Fincher to make this, this script that was like 200 pages long, but that was, and by the way, if you're not like a, a person who knows about like screenwriting stuff, the general average is like a page per minute, and so scripts are usually like 100 to 120 pages long. Right. And so the script was like 200 pages long and was the entire novel. Like, it was just, their goal was, like, just tell the full story. Put it all in there. And that was the plan, and apparently Fincher wanted to do it in black and white, and but wanted it to be, like, a three-and-a-half-hour-long movie, just to make it, just, like, fit the huge, the whole epic saga in there. Whoa. That's kind of cool. Three-and-a-half-hour black-and-white version of this? That sounds rad. Watch that, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, Fincher famously being a guy who isn't into compromising, uh, when the studio mm-hmm. was like, no, make it shorter, he was like, I'm out. Uh, and he learned so, his lesson from Alien 3. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I mean, literally after that, I mean, clearly there, there's a director's <laughs> cut of Zodiac, but Fincher has not compromised a lot over the years. Mm-hmm. And then De Palma comes in. And, with, and apparently with, when De Palma comes in, they cut 50 pages out of the script. Hmm. And then uh, apparently the original director, uh, De Palma's director's cut was three hours long. <laughs> and and James Elroy, writer of the book, apparently really liked that three-hour-long version. And the book that I have is an edition that was published bef- shortly before the movie came out with a new afterword by James Elroy where he talks about the movie. And he's very positive talking about it. He's very positive about Josh Hartnett in particular. And But then As he should the, the movie com- that comes out, and the movie is a two-hour-long movie, not the three-hour-long De Palma director's cut, and El- Elroy is no longer a fan of it. But also, the cast could have been very different. Yeah. Uh, apparently, like, early on, I think, when Fincher was working on it, they offered the two lead roles of the detectives Bucky Bleicher and Lee Blanchard to uh, Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. Hey. Uh, which also oh. seems like kind of, you know... You can see them trading down now that you know that. Yeah. Where it's like, who's blondie and kind of right. <laughs> dark-haired? Well, and... Wikipedia has a couple of the other alternates Exactly. As well. But yeah. like, uh, apparently, like, that, they were never signed on. But, right. but Josh was signed on when Fincher was going to do it as well, as Bucky Bleichert. And, uh, and he was in a co-star with Mark Wahlberg. As Marky Mark? As Lee Blanchard. He actually would have been way better at Lee Blanchard. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I could definitely see that. And then... And then, like, a lot of other people were, were offered a lot of different roles. Ava Green was offered uh, Madeline. Okay. And, but she didn't want to play another femme fatale character. Okay. And, fair. And, yeah, they yeah, just... Yeah, fair enough. It, it's definitely a thing where they... Off, like, Josh is, like, the one constant. He was on straight through. But it seems like a lot of the other roles <laughs> were Josh. offered to a bunch of... Or, actually, the, the funny thing is uh, Wahlberg dropped out... For The Departed... No. Because oh. he's great in that movie. <laughs> he is. That one of his best performances. No, Wahlberg dropped out because of conflicts with the Italian Job sequel that didn't end up happening. It was going to be called The Bolivian Job. 
cool. Or the BJ is like big fans <laughs> would have called it if it came out. Yeah. Hey, um, so anyway, so this, <laughs> oh, this is all just a long way of saying that this movie could have been, uh, it, it could have been made very differently with, with a different director, a different cast, a much longer running time. And, and it, it's, it, these are always fascinating to me. It's like, this is what made it to the screen. This is what got released in theaters. And there's like so many what if scenarios to contemplate. Well, here's a question about the three hour cut, Pat. Do you know, um, and I'm asking you this, I don't know, uh, who decided to trim down the three hour cut? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it was like Probably studio, studio interference. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I assume it wasn't De Palma being like, hmm, I'm happy with this director's cut. Let's cut a third of it out. Yeah, right? Yeah. Right. It's, it's sad that James Elroy had to write a foreword to his book um, only having seen the cut that didn't make it to theaters. <laughs> He's very positive in this cut. To write it. Yeah. And I will say, because we got to talk about Josh. And, he, and James Elroy loved him. Yeah, well, here's the thing. So I've been reading the book for, for like, I don't know, the past month or so, just like slowly going through it. And as soon as they introduce Bucky Blankert, and I knew that Josh played him, I was amazed at how the way he's described in the book from his physical appearance, even like his height to his personality, it, see, it is like the ultimate role for Josh Hartnett. Mm-hmm. It just sounds like they're describing him. The only ex- exception, the only like real difference between them is that Bucky, uh, as they mentioned a lot in the book, has like prominent buck teeth. And, so it really is because he's got buck teeth. Yeah, but then what they do in uh, in, in the movie, they, one change they make is they give him buck teeth in like the first 10 minutes, and then in the, the boxing fight, he gets his teeth punched out and replaced with fake teeth. So he has what? regular Josh teeth for the, the rest of the movie. So those are Josh's real teeth? No. For the whole movie? Yeah. yeah. His teeth looked weird. No, you just got primed to think they were weird. Yeah. But he had oh, man, buck his teeth, teeth looked weird, though. No, those are just his regular teeth. No, and now no, you're man. insulting Josh. Yeah, but but in this in the afterward, it is wild. Like how much I I've got the book here, and I'm like flipping through it. But how much Elroy talks about like how perfect how perfect his teeth are. Yeah, just Josh's. They're white and they're square. They're so teethy. And they're teethy. <laughs> Chickness so or whatever. Teethy. <laughs> I know. Pretty teethy. Pretty teethy. But yeah, so so you guys, uh, you were, but you were. So what overall? I'm trying to think. Should we discuss like overall, like what confused you about the plot, or like should we just start at the beginning? Oh gosh, (laughs) oh gosh, let's begin. You have so many notes. I I took down so many notes. I'm a a big note taker. That's great. I just the only thing I have to comment on is is the the uh, the misconception that like too long. Or whatever, like going over certain time thresholds is like becomes exponentially taxing on the audience because I bet you, I'm guessing if even if they kept the De Palma hour extra hour in, so it was a three hour movie. The De Palma hour. The De Palma. <laughs> welcome. Uh, I bet you it actually would have felt, in terms of the experience of viewing it, less than that. Instead, they made mm. they cut out an hour, probably made, made a bunch of plot lines incoherent, mm-hmm. and so just experientially that shit dragged, and right. like that two hours, which is already 
kind of also long for a film felt even long. Like I remember thinking I was an I mean, hour. Two hours is average That's for it. a movie. I was an hour into the movie, and I swore to God that I thought I was an hour forty-five I I into was the movie. Dying. And I, I figured out that I was an hour in. <laughs> and like, I was just I would like, agree with yeah, with that. It's it funny. Sucked. You're right, though. They basically made a two-hour movie that felt like a three-hour movie when they could have had a three-hour movie that felt that like a two-hour movie, like, yeah. probably. Might've, right? Yes, like you know, like agree. David Lynch's yeah. Dune is another one that I always feel like potentially had that, although no one knows because they also cut like. 40 minutes out of that yeah and i I will say let's like watching this because i i wasn't confused at all about the story because i knew the story from from the book and i was mostly just you know focus like watching this focusing on like the things they changed Mm -hmm. yeah because it's it's weird in that it hits all the major plot points pretty much of the book but it just like it felt so rushed to me it, the whole movie felt like a montage. Actually, like, my feeling about this movie in general is it feels like, you know, sometimes I think mostly in kind of like maybe 90s kind of maybe like kids or family movies or comedies, there might, there might be some kind of dream sequence or flashback to like, with like a gangster setting or something like that or like something from out of like the Sandlot or something okay, like that. Right. This movie felt to me like a feature length sort of jokey 1940s mm. flashback mm-hmm. from like a kid's movie with like the voiceover and like the lighting and all that. It, it, it almost like, yeah, it felt like just a, like a parody of, yes. of, of that, this kind of movie. And it jumps through everything so quickly because like scenes so rarely seem to, to breathe and play out. It's like, you know, snippets of scenes just pasted together with voiceover. Yeah. And yeah. It, the whole movie to me almost felt like a montage. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, it drove me nuts because I was like, why is this happening so fast? Yeah. And with this, those old school wipes and stuff that just kept yeah, like, oh, this scene's so over now. Just wipe it off. Ooh. Let's go to the next thing, you know? Like it yeah. did. I wrote it that in my notes. Wipes. Like, like, uh, oh, the wipes? scene wipe. Like, is this Star Wars? Like, <laughs> yeah. It, just, it is not good. It sir. was not. So it is not. Yeah. Very, I mean, very did much you feel not. the same way? Did you think it was like totally rushed? Or I felt, I felt like I just didn't understand where we were going a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. And then one thing I read online was that the three hour cut originally, the De Palma original cut, focused more on like the psychological impact that this had on Josh Hartnett's character, whose name Bucky. Bucky. Um, thank you. On Bucky, like over time. That the original, the three hour version focused more on that. And that sort of made sense to me because I think that was cut a lot in the version that we got. I know yes. like at the very end when he's walking into Scarlett Johansson's house and he like looks backwards <laughs> and sees the dismembered body yeah. and then yeah. the crow, I was just like, What? Where did <laughs> yeah. the, wh- why all of a sudden? And then I was like, oh, he's psychologically really bothered by this. But until that moment, I had not really grasped that that was what we were grappling with the whole time. And I'm until that you, moment, yeah. then slam end credits. Yes, So like exactly. this yeah. is the moment you realize something that should have been clear an hour Much ago. earlier. I mean, I, yes. I can, Literally a the end title, yeah. which right. is so funny in a movie from 2006. So it really is. The police the are fighting sailors at the beginning? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's going what on? Like, I didn't even understand. Why do they have to be boxers? I didn't really understand Yeah, like, that. I read the book, so he could probably explain yeah. all yeah, of this. Can I just say, this is all in the book. That. I know, I know. And it I know. all works there. I bet I it is. I believe you. <laughs> but didn't... honestly, three minutes into the movie, I already didn't know what was happening. Yeah. I would and agree. see, three minutes and I was like, oh, wow, they're going through this fast, mm. like mm. real fast. And so, you know so what? Why were the, why were the cops fighting sailors? 
Oh, um, they had it coming. <laughs> cops hate sailors. It's just like the classic. That's a thing. It's that the was way. a classic '40s thing. They talk about the zoot suit riots or, or whatever, which is pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. great. <laughs> no, but why? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, do but we no, have an answer yeah. on this? Yeah, no. That that's Unclear? literally those are the zoot suit riots. That's what's happening. Yeah, sailors are fighting cops. I mean, I can't. Um, I, I think zoot suits. I I, I can't remember what it happens. But the idea is that's like a flashback in. In the book, and because the book is like the movie, all narrated by Bucky, who is right. Josh, and uh, and yeah, and and it begins like him talking about he's just this kind of like he's he's this cop, he's kind of like like ranked, kind of like like lower down. He doesn't really have any friends or family. His father is this is this German guy who with with in, in, increasingly severe dementia, and uh, and he right, there's also one time not explored, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean it's not that important in the book either, mm. um, but but yeah, and but he also his like his hobby is boxing. Like he's just like since he uh, he was in, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember if he was actually in the war or not. But basically he yeah, but he's he's always been kind of like a boxer on the side. And during the Zoot Suit Riots, he meets this other cop named Lee Blanchard, who he was aware of because he's also a boxer. And they kind of, you know, develop a little friendship there. They end up getting, during the, the riots, they, like, arrest this guy together, and they get stuck in this house where they kind of just wait out the night before they can go to deliver this guy to the police station in the morning. And but then they also box each other in a fixed fight. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck was going on? To pass on? a bill? Sorry. Yeah. This is, <laughs> like, what? Oh, I didn't even get that These part. are things that were in the movie, though, that, yeah. like, they just, they do, and then they move on, and you're like, okay, and then wait, when does the Black Dahlia happen? Yeah, and then oh, the Black like, Dahlia happened. Wait, what was the boxing stuff mm-hmm, about? And it's just, mm-hmm. nope, we're doing scene, nope. scene, mm-hmm. scene, And scene. they were trying wait, to pass wait, a wait, bill, wait. weren't they? Like, Prop B or something, and then they're, like, f- called Fire and Ice? Yeah, they're Fire and Ice. Which comes back once when he's, like, about to push Aaron Eckhart's body into the fire and you're just like oh that's a rough way for that and to, to clarify he's already dead he's already he's dead not pushing he's already dead best friend right. yeah. this fire. is so spoiler alert just because him. It's cool. like I, yeah. I just knew all of this already Mob and, and, and like you know I'm watching this and I'm thinking they're rushing through it but the way it, it went was uh, since like, like Lee Blanchard who is Aaron Eckhart's character is, is already this like respected detective and I uh, and because he he likes Bucky after after that experience that after they like like meet each other during these riots, and then uh, Ellis Lowe, who is like the assistant DA, is trying to get this uh, this this police related bill passed, and so their their idea that the public is going to vote on <laughs> right, and yeah. so and so the plan is to have this kind of big publicity stunt where they'll have these two these two cops who are boxers and hype it up a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, just as this big public event. And uh, because they've already gotten a bit of uh, like a bit of press after the Zoot Suit riots, of like course. hey, let's like build up the, these two guys and have this big publicity event to like Fire and ice. to make the the police force look really good and make the public get the public really into it, it, so that they'll vote on this bill. And that's so, and the yeah, bill is for clear, what? But a pay the, raise for the or a, a budgetary inf- infusion yeah. from the government? Yeah. Exactly for the police force. <laughs> Damn, you got you got yeah. more than I did. Pat, Hell you explained yeah. that very well, and yes. the rest of us are all rolling our eyes and shaking our heads because the movie just did not was, make it apparent no. in any sense. Like, no. I mean, so it's funny. I, I you're like, that. I get the plot. You know, it's like sort of hit the book beat by beat. 
and uh, and For we're us, just totally no. confused. I, I will say I'm watching. Also, this. it doesn't matter. It do, yeah, and, and then yes, it doesn't seem like it matters. True. That's the maybe the worst thing. Well, unless it's the thing just is, it, more to build the. It matters because between so, two characters. Yeah. So much of the book is about the friendship between these two guys and the love triangle that forms between Bucky Lee and then Lee's sort of girlfriend Kay. Right. And, and Played they, by Scarlett Johansson. Have we said that yet? We have not. Yeah. Who Scarjo. began Scarjo. dating Josh when no. they met on the set of this movie. Yep. Yep. What a Hollywood couple. Exactly. Wild. And but then and then so it's about that. So that the kind of triangle between them is kind of like the key thing, and they and that's what this sets up the early part of the movie slash book, where they do this. They have this boxing fight, and then through that, even though they're they're fighting each other, and it's basically a publicity stunt, they they really respect each other, and that they they because they're so evenly matched, and then because of that, uh, Bucky gets this promotion to become a detective and join the wait wa- wait wait, they're not evenly matched. No, they are. In the movie, it seemed like it was Bucky needed to throw the fight, and so what he did was because he knew he was better than Aaron Heckhart's character, he beat the shit out of Aaron Eckhart for a little bit and then pulled back and let Aaron Eckhart knock his front teeth out. But having, you know, done the requisite amount of punching and beating up Aaron Eckhart to prove that he was the superior fighter. Yeah. That in the movie. I mean, yes. That does show in the movie. Again, I, I have I to keep confirm. reminding myself that, you know, the movie is, is its own text and I can't just you know, say that things that happen in the book also happen in the movie because they are separate things. Because I'm, I'm, again, I'm think, coming hmm. at this from the book perspective. Well, and I'm looking at the book Wikipedia page right now, and it says that during the fight, he decides to try and win, but fails. Yes. Hmm. In the book, he tries to in win and fails? Yeah, well, he does the same thing in the book where, he, where he's like, I'm going to bet on the other guy and so, so that I can win all this money and so I can just like put my father in like a nice like retirement home right. Right. and take care of that. And that, because the thing is, in in the book, the boxing fight goes on for like fifteen pages. Wow! It goes through like all the rounds. It is it spends a lot of time on the fight. In the movie, it's very much. I mean, the fight is like well shot, and like that's one. I mean, it's not like a great scene, but it's like a pretty effectively done, yeah. like shot boxing scene. But yeah, in the book, it goes through the whole experience of the fight, and he does decide uh, like around halfway through, he's like, you know what, like fuck it, I'm just gonna, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna win. And then he actually does get knocked out. And so they are just very okay. evenly matched. But yeah, but then they become friends. Uh, Bucky gets promoted, joins, becomes a detective in the Warrens department, and they become partners. And then when, they, when they're, they're partners, then he comes over to their house for dinner. And then they kind of like form this trio where they kind of do everything together. Was money right. riding on that fight f- through crime bosses, though? I mean, uh, well, this is something that I knew would come up. You know who was like a kind of unseen figure that kind of looms over a bunch of this. He's like, his name is said several times. Not Al Capone. Harvey Weinstein. He's Chicago. Hey, but yes. Oh, you're right. You're right. No, No, not not this movie. It's uh, it's a a favorite of Matt and Jake's, whether they remembered it or not. Hmm. It's Mickey Cohen. Oh. The man who was always, he wants to know if people are begging (laughs) <laughs> for bullets. <gasps> you talking about Sean Penn and Gangsta Squad? Oh. Wow. I never knew that character's name was Mickey Cohen. He's, he's, a, real guy. he's a real guy. Big influence he's on me. He's one of the me. Cohen brothers. Big, huge and my, on and my humor. <laughs> the Cohen brothers, Joel, Ethan, and Mickey. And Mickey. 
So to clarify, me and Matt love Sean Penn in the movie Gangster Squad, specifically the trailer for the the movie Gangster Squad. We've never seen seen that movie. That movie looks stupid. Guys, I saw saw an advanced screening of Gangster Squad. It was free. Yeah. And Sean Penn goes, you're going to be begging for a bullet. (laughs) Wait, that's not how it sounds. How do you say it? You're going to be begging for a bullet. (laughs) And it went so far as to one time, we were eating dinner with... uh, my brother, our younger brother, who is like... And our parents. And our parents. And we were at like a TGI Fridays or something. <laughs> and Mark, our brother Mark, we'll just dox him, uh, was like, maybe I'll get the blooming onion or something. And I said, you gonna be begging for an onion? And I lost my mind and no one else thought it was funny well, at all. me and you all. both lost our minds. And yeah. our parents just looked sadly at us. So <laughs> confused. Yeah. Can you like say that to the waiter or something? No, the waiter, <laughs> no, the waiter offered the blooming onion. <laughs> And then he walked away, and you said to the waiter as he was walking away, to him, you're going to be begging for an onion. <laughs> like you were going to shoot the waiter with an onion. What? Ooh. You're going to be begging for a bullet. Jake. <laughs> <laughs> we don't joke about that. We don't say the effort about that. We, we don't shoot waiters with onions. <laughs> All right, so Whew. so, so guys, no. see, uh, as, Brian so, De Palma. as soon as here. I yeah. mentioned Mickey Cohen, <laughs> oh, um, see, I was where? excited when Mickey Cohen came up when it was mentioned. He was because I was like, <laughs> whether or not Matt and Jake realize this, it, this is an opportunity for them to, to quote their favorite, favorite line. line in cinema. Oh, thank you. Yeah, because you have to remember, to comfort that movie came out in I think it was like early 2013. Uh-huh. And so this is like five years of Matt and Jake saying, "Oh wow, yes. 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 But no, but, but <laughs> got it. Mickey Cohen kind of ran a lot yeah. of the LA mob. There. Okay, and so the mob is like because everyone's kind of there's corruption everywhere, and they're the mob kind of you know they're like putting money on the fight and stuff like that. But it's not a mob organized thing. But I, yeah, but that's basically what happens. That it's it's through the fight that these guys become friends, friends and then and partners. partners and then like almost like brothers. Right. And then, you know, Scarlett Johansson uh, plays Kay, who is in a relationship with Aaron Eckert. But they don't sleep together. But they don't sleep mm-hmm. together. And um, then, yeah, it becomes sort of like a little trio. Yeah. And, right. then, and then we got the three relationships. And the, the whole point of the story, which gets lost in the movie, right. is because a key thing to point out here is that the movie takes place over what seems like a few weeks. Maybe uh, no. I mean I lost all sense of time yeah. watching this. Movie. Yeah, so I really wanted it to I be like over. It was maybe more than that. Maybe, maybe a couple months. Maybe, yeah, a couple because months. the book takes place over like two to three years. Oh. Yeah, the movie really does not. And like the case is pretty much like it's like a cold. It becomes a cold case, like the Black Dahlia murder case. Mm-hmm. And the like most of it is about how this case basically consumes the lives of these men and like destroys their lives because they become obsessed with it and they become like like fanatical uh about this woman and like wanting to just like get justice for her and and that's what drives lee uh kind of insane that's what makes him like leads him to his death oh he's insane because of the dahlia murder well he becomes totally obsessed with the dahlia murder he has that room in that house remember where he has all of the yeah, paperwork later, classic like, the conversation an style. hour 20 in yeah. yeah yeah but he he's like really kind of freaking out because well he has there's he has multiple the things with him but well the, the part of it is is the sister part of it is this other uh criminal Bobby DeWitt who who Kay had previously been in a relationship with where 
They he add, carved the biggest yeah, letters. Yeah, that was huge. <laughs> I have that in my notes. The How BD gigantic. Are, yeah, so there's a revelation <laughs> that 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 this that this it's former like, so like gangster they boyfriend not want you to miss that. of Scarlett Johansson's character carved his initials into her back. By the way, that's not in the book. In the book, it's that she has some scars because he was like a terrible person and abusive, but he did not carve his initials into her body. So yeah. much real estate, though. Like, so yeah, much. I mean, it's <laughs> so big. It's so big. Yeah, a that third w- of her body is yeah. just BD. Yeah. That was yeah. a big choice. But and then the big thing is like in the book. Uh, I know I'm just jumping through the plot. We'll get back to like the early stuff. But after after Lee, well. In the book, Lee doesn't just die. He just disappears. He just goes to Tijuana, seemingly to to chase down this the former gangster boyfriend of Kay, uh, who has been released from prison. And let's like try to like, just, he's, he's like freaking out and just like goes to Tijuana because he hears that guy is there. And then he's just gone. And you find out that he died much later on. But then uh, Bucky and Kay they get married. She mm-hmm. like gets a job. Then and then their marriage, like over a year, like falls apart as he becomes getting increasingly obsessed with the Dahlia and he can't let it go and he's just like losing his mind. And so much of this is just gone from the movie. Mm-hmm. They just condense it all so that he's just trying to solve the murder. Yeah. There's none of the like mental deterioration no, that I is such that a key all. part of the book. Yeah. It sounds like that's very important. It's important and it's good. It's like the, it's a good book. It's a good book, and and this is like a weird sort of just like montage version of it. Yeah. yeah. As an actor, like, I mean, were you aware that that much? You were aware that the hour had been excised, right? Not until after. I decided not to look at any of the right. trivia stuff until after watching it. But did once we, I did, that made so much sense. Did anything Sweet. stand out to you in anyone's performance? I really enjoyed, the, and I know that she got a lot of critical praise for it. So I'm this is not saying anything new, but I want to say Mia. Kirshner, yes. her name, um, who played the Black Dahlia herself. Yeah. I thought she was like really, really great in this. Just very like honest and raw and very uh, compelling. I thought. Yeah, and also she had to do the, the kind of tricky thing of acting poorly because yeah, a, a lot of uh, so that's Elizabeth Short, you know, the titular Black Dahlia, Dahlia. And uh, she largely exists in the movie through old videos of her screen tests because she was trying to, you know, start an acting career. And yeah, she has, to, but she also wasn't going to make it because she wasn't a good actor. And uh, and yeah, so she has to do that the thing of like you know acting, being yeah, just pretending to act bad. Yes. And I thought in a movie where the performances are all over the place, very much. I thought she was very good. I did too. I yeah. think you know she evokes the world yeah. agrees. Because by poorly acting, she does another very difficult thing, which is that, like, she's she's very compelling because... And she she held up her end of the bargain, I feel like, as an actress. Like, she... Yeah. She evoked a character who would maybe elicit some kind of obsession from somebody. Sure, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. she's sad. She's very yes. sad. It was she's like, very vulnerable. Like, yeah. You get that, I think, from... And, scenes because you're saying the the music also like everything mm. just felt a li- very like satirical almost like they yes. were making fun of the concept of a noir and then they would play her scenes out as you know to kind of remind you why josh is doing stuff because it's unclear yes. a ton of the time it, it's a very effective i don't know like but it's very serious like yeah. it doesn't feel at all tonally in line with anything else i will say that the screen tests were a device added for the movie 
Okay. You don't get those uh, in in the book. That's a Brian De Palma full-on quirk because he yeah. does the screen test in at least three or four of his own movies. Right. Know? I mean, really? it, yeah. any way oh, for people to watch people. Yeah. yeah. He'll He's just real into sandwich, shoehorn that right in there. Yeah, because yeah. I, I read that they don't actually exist. That she, I guess, yeah. had told people she screen tested for a bunch of movies, but no one has ever found. Yeah, the book has a lot more of them footage. of them talking yeah. to her. Uh, the sort actual of, person. Of her sort of like roommates and like other girls she knew. And you find out a lot about her, like the web of lies she would spread about like, oh, yeah. Like, uh, I was in, you know, I was in this movie or shooting this thing or like, oh, I know yeah. this this one producer and stuff like that. Interesting, though, that it wasn't in the book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can tell it's a De Palma thing, too, because he's the man behind the camera in those scenes. The voice that speaks mm-hmm. to her. That's him? That's Brian De Palma. Yeah. So he sounds clearly so just like a little. Doofy. Yeah. He's got like a little bit of a lisp and, you know, he's sort of like, yeah, he is a, he's, he's a little bit of a doofy character in real life. Uh, if you've ever seen any interviews with him, he's kind of funny. Exactly. And so we should actually start moving our way through the story because, you know, there's like, there's a story. So, okay. So uh, we've pretty much gotten through like these, these three people kind of coming together. And this is this whole stretch of the movie uh, through like the, the boxing fight and through like them all meeting each other and like having their first dinner and becoming partners and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when they're like, off dancing at like the New Year's Eve at the the turn of 1947. This plays like one giant montage. It it it's like a big old montage. It honestly, you know what it reminded me the most of, and I think a little bit of uh, some of the cinematography is sort of reminiscent of it. What's mm-hmm. that, Pat? It, it kind of reminded me of the opening credit sequence to Zack Snyder's Watchmen film. Interesting. Never watched it. Never seen. Where they play the times yeah. they are a changing. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Wow. I, the people I saw Watchmen before. oddly by myself, like in a theater when it came out, just because I was trying to like kill time. I think between getting a train or something like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, so I was there, and it was like late in its run. I think it was me and like one other couple that was sitting a couple <laughs> seats ahead of me, and they couple? were making out, and they didn't watch the movie, and I was like, "This is awkward." There's was making out, like, yeah. right away. No, it was, it was really uncomfortable. Mm. It was, like, literally just the three of us in the theater. And I was sitting a couple seats back, so I felt weird. At least you weren't right behind him. Yeah. <laughs> you know it was funny? Can you imagine? <laughs> of all of these, the seats in like the, the theater, seat, right? she was there. One we- time, I went to go see Blue Valentine alone. <laughs> and uh, there was a couple there. Oh no! And I'm just that was I was just like, buddy, I know this is the worst idea you've ever made is to go to this movie. Yeah, and it was, and Not his girlfriend was movie. just sobbing. <laughs> yeah, it's a really and he looked like movie. he was so mad because he thought it was like Blue Valentine. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it might be the Notebook again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gosling. Like, it's got to be good, Light right? Rom com. Nope. Mm-mm. But uh, the reason I mention this is so I'm I'm not crazy about Zack Snyder's Watchmen. I think right. it's kind of a fascinating failure. Yeah, but. I, I will say Larry Fong's cinematography in that movie it just in a lot of ways looks very similar to the way like Vilmos Sigmund lights this movie. But also, you know, the one probably the best part of the Watchmen film is just the opening title sequence, which is just this montage like going through history. And a lot of it is going through the nineteen forties. Uh, in this kind of almost like romanticized, you know, like 1940s kind of noirish look, right. and and again, it, it's a big montage, and I kind of got a similar vibe just from the opening 15 minutes or so of this movie, which is just skipping through like a montage. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, slow down and give me, give me time with the characters. It's just 
you're just jumping through it. Well, you said it too. It's a, it's a movie where the main thematic crux of it is you're watching two men essentially become so obsessive that it destroys their personal lives. And it's like, for that kind of movie, you need a little bit of a slow burner, right? And you need scenes to linger two hours yeah, is on characters. And that's what surprised me so much Two hours is it. enough time. I'm not saying but the like movie the, needs to be longer. But like, the whole thing is, like the, like, the recurring thing through so much of his work is obsession. Yeah. yeah. People being obsessed with whether it's solving a murder, whether it's... Yeah, he's got uh, a movie called Obsession, everybody, so... <laughs> exactly. And that's his thing. And I'm like, how did he just so severely botch... A movie that's about obsession. You know what's funny? I actually was... Uh, I, I think I, w- I watched that De Palma documentary. Oh, yeah. Um, I still haven't seen that. And so he talks about this movie, and uh, it's... He, he, he made, like, a funny comparison with this movie and, um, oddly enough, The Bonfire of the Vanities. And he's just talking about two movies that he made where he's trying to adapt like a, a famous, beloved book. A beloved book mm. And both failed. Um, but he was like, they failed for totally different reasons. So he thought he had learned his lesson from filming Bonfire of the Vanities. And he was like, the movie should have been darker, more cynical, and more true to the book. And the people that obviously didn't like it were big fans of the book, thought that it was too lighthearted. People were miscast, making characters seem more appealing and uh, likable than they should have, namely Tom Hanks's character. And he was like, basically the movie got critically panned. I didn't make any money. And uh, even like fans of the book and critics who were just going to see the movie who hadn't read it. Nobody liked it. Mm-hmm. He's like, I should have stuck to my guns there. And he's like, so I got this James Elroy novel that I wanted to make. And he's like, what happened, it seems like to me, was that I stuck as close as I could to the book, following beat by beat, and then they still hated it. <laughs> but, I mean, it's like you said, part of the reason is that maybe he should have taken some of that uh, creative liberty and you know, you have to encapsulate the movie into two hours, but you don't want it to feel absolutely rushed. You know, is it still really the best way to adapt a book by just going beat by beat through the length of it? I well, mean, movies need to be condensed I, and sort of... I mean, you, you have all the events, yeah. pretty much, that happen in the book. But at the same time, you... You know, telling a story is more than just listing events. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and so a big question that I was wondering while watching this movie is, would this movie be better if... Actually... How are we going to fix sorry. it? Sorry, it would definitely be better. <laughs> How much better would this movie be if you made these two changes? If you put it in black and white and you got rid of the music. Music for sure. Yes. Big help. The music drove me insane. Yes. The music too. hurt the movie so much. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It just wanted to tell you how to feel at all times. Like, I just feel like the acting should let it breathe a right. little bit. But, but in the way where it, it felt like, I mean, again, I'm going to pull back the reference to, you know, it, this felt like almost a, a parody of yeah. like, like, oh, like, like 1940s noir stuff. And the score in particular feels like a joke version of that. It like, it, it, it's like, oh, now we're going to add like our saxophone and now we're going to, it's like, Everything the music did was so annoying to me, and it just—it felt false. Yes. Do, do you think Completely he was? Tr- do you think Tapalmo was trying too hard to? Because ma- I got this vibe very strongly when I was watching the movie that he's really just trying to 
not even like that he's inspired by, but he's just trying to mimic like a 1940s classic Hollywood noir, like a 1940s, 1950s noir film. And he's using the exact same music, the way that the, even like the wipes we were making fun of, the way that the camera moves, the way that the acting was, it was just like, I think he's literally trying to mimic the 1940s movie. That's part of why I think the making it black and white might have worked better. Because also the thing is, it's obviously Vilma Sigmund is one of the greatest cinematographers of all time. R.I.P. You know he yeah. shot everything from like Close Encounters to, uh, you know, uh, I think did he shoot Blowout or, or like better than I uh, the Deer Hunter? Yeah. Um, a lot of great. Why do you Bonfire think making it black and white? Like, no, 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 but here's, here's, the, here's the thing. And, and so, the movie and, sucks. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> like, because colors what if it was black and white matter. We, I know, we, I know. We, we, you have also, yeah. And um, well, here's the no, thing. No, then, well, I'm I, sorry, you sorry. do your thing, but and then I'll do my the, thing. The reason <laughs> I say this is because the whole thing is sepia toned. Yeah, and yes. and 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 it looks like it's intentionally a flashback. It's using yeah. the like, mm. you know, high school level technique for it. how do we make something look like it's set in olden times? I don't know. Mm. You put the sepia filter on it, yeah. And the whole thing has it's like beautifully lit, but the whole thing is brown. <laughs> And it like has the, the sepia look, <laughs> and, and and you combine like you combine the <laughs> color palette with shouldn't be uh, so funny uh, with the, this it? music that sounds like like a joke version of sort of 1940s noir music, and it really takes you out of the movie. And I, I think those two things combined, if you got rid of them, like I was, I honestly was thinking like, should I just sort of like download this movie and then just put it into Premiere and just desaturate it just to see what it feels like. Hmm. Because hmm. I think that I mean that kind of thing it does matter, and I know it's it's a weird thing to, to point out of like all the problems with this movie, but I do think just it's a hard movie to even get into early on, and I think the music combined with the color palette have an, an effect on that. I think it's interesting though, just because I, I heard the music too. I mean, it was it was way less of an issue for me. I just thought the plot was confusing and it was boring, and I think it still would be kind of boring without the this music. This is Jake Torpy, film this critic. Is, this is Jake Torpy, uh, important delivering film his critic. hot takes and uh, deep analysis. And, and I write for Science American or whatever. And <laughs> I also thought it was boring. Matt Torpy American. here, <laughs> and Matt Torpy writing also for Science Christian Monitor. <laughs> Not uh, fun. Christian Science Monitor. Christian Science Monitor. Fuck. What did I say? Science Christian Monitor. <laughs> no, I, no, no, no. I write for the Boston Globe. So, um, I write for Wapo. Yeah. We should mention that the, Mad the music was done by Mark Isham. Yeah. Uh, Fuck you, Mark Isham. Yeah, not, not your best, <laughs> Mark. So, I mean, maybe it is your best. So I don't know. Movie, 40s dude. movies, though. No, Mark Isham's best score is Point Break. Um, yeah. Well, there you go. But so he's not also, your best, But he's Mark. also made... He's <laughs> just done a best. lot of mediocre studio films. He There aren't... Going oh, through this, damn. there are not a lot of uh, credits that he has, even though he's done plenty of like well-known movies, but not a lot where I can point out, like, oh... That was a good score. But can mm. you pinpoint what exactly it is about the music besides the fact that it plays on scenes like, oh, this is a sad scene. Here's Wait, sad Wait, Cover has notes. I have yeah. notes. No, I well, Comfort, I want to hear what you have to say because you didn't prepared. like the music either. I don't know that I like specifically wrote things down other than like every time it bothered me, <laughs> which was a lot. Thing. It just, like, I remember specifically one scene when ScarJo and Josh are having a fight about the money yeah. that he finds. And like the words they're saying are important. And if they were able to breathe a little bit and just sort of focus on what they're saying, it might have been a good scene. But instead right. you have this like saxophone or some <laughs> like melodramatic music over top of that. And so I can't focus on like what the in- intention and the tone of 
what they're doing is because this music is telling me like this is important this is dramatic like follow this closely and I'm like I can't because you're so loud and I don't know what's going on there's yeah. literally a saxophone the, over your lines dude. right and it's it's just distracting and it's overly dramatic and well, then, it's all the time yeah. right it, it, it does feel just like a bad imitation of scores from the time that it's trying to emulate but the, here's my question mm, then I have a wait sorry I really want to know how the writing of the dialogue is in the book versus the script because it could have just been the actors sort of not feeling any conviction as they delivered these lines. But all the snappy noir dialogue that I do genuinely love in good noir all felt so disingenuous coming out of almost everyone's mouths. Oh, yeah. Except my personal take, MVP, Hilary Swank. I think that's such a crazy opinion. Nope, it's yeah. she's rocks. I love she's my favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> she's rocks. <laughs> Dude, Hilary Swank's mom. Who is that actress? She, oh, she was Fiona great. Shaw. I Fiona love her. Shaw. That was she the was other awesome. person I was going to. Well, that's mention. the. And there's she's the, amazing. The dinner also, scene is so funny. The dinner scene. Yeah. Well, it's the my, only thing that had thing life with the yeah, performances in this movie because we gotta talk about the performances. Every single person seemed to be in a different movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like all of them. Like, uh, yeah. It, you know the one guy in the, um, fuck. What, right, right, you know when uh, Hillary Swank's character is in Shadow and you see Lee die? Yeah. yeah. Oh, the other guy, yeah. The other George, guy, the guy. The strangler? Not the strangler. The guy he throws up against the wall and questions, Josh does? Right. Oh, yeah. Oh. Can, I oh, wish no, no, some, oh, oh, that's, that's, uh, I believe that's Bobby DeWitt. Yes. Is that Bobby DeWitt? Is. Okay. Yes. Un- mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. So, Bobby DeWitt, what is his accent? I don't know if anyone can go back to that scene of their own, uh, you know, free will and mm. just watch him question Bobby DeWitt's, I guess, like in the, but his accent is crazy. He's like, well, wow. This is, <laughs> so his, his name is Richard Brake and he is a Welsh American actor. So well, he had like okay. a, a Welsh a accent Welsh and he was, well, tr- and he just wasn't good at. Can we talk what? about Hillary Swank's accent situation, <laughs> okay. though, yeah. for a second? Oh, you mean that impeccable performance she gave? Uh, was, as, I'm going to go with no. As soon as she started talking, I was thinking, what is she doing? Yeah, somebody tell me, me her too. accent again. I really like her, but I think she was doing this thing. I think it was called, like, this is going to be totally wrong, Atlantic Mid-Lantic American, or? Mid-Atlantic American, maybe? Oh, 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 oh yeah. Uh, that's yeah. like a, a Catherine 1940s. Hepburn-esque yeah. thing. Right. I think that's what she was going for. I right. don't yes. know that it was super... <laughs> Uh, well executed the all of the time. Thing. I do really oh, like her, and I think it's a good performance. But I, the accent bothered me. You didn't just, like it? I finally. No, no, I, I didn't like the accent. I did like her. I finally <laughs> figured out. That, uh, Bobby Dewitt. We were, I was like, I know, I know this guy from somewhere. The guy, you know, with with the funny voice. Yeah, that, that you, Richard Brake. Yeah, he Dick pl- Brake. he plays the guy who kills <laughs> Bruce Wayne's parents in Batman Begins. The movie Josh could have been in. He could have been the guy who killed Josh's parents. Wow. Yeah. Josh, your, your parents could have been killed Full by Dick circle. Drake. Yo, one more thing that I have a question about that never reappears, I don't think. Wait, but we got to talk about Hillary Swank's accent. Okay, <laughs> do you want to? Yeah, okay, let's elaborate on that. I really will defend her. Okay. I mean, I, mean, I, I feel like I said my piece. I just think she's Pat. miscast, yeah. just in general. I, I, I just think no. this is not, this, <laughs> this does not play to her strengths. I don't. Um, Fire and ice right here. <laughs> <laughs> it's also, again, because I, I like read the book, mm. and she's also like, 10 years too old oh. for the character she's playing. No. Who would you cast? <laughs> well, uh, well uh, they offered her to Ava Green, and she would have... She would have been amazing, yes. She, yeah. she is amazing. Wait, who? Okay, but how Ava about Green. now? Contemporary, that been real, currently. That been good. currently. Currently? Currently, who would you cast? Oh, 
Oh, they also offered to uh, Josh's former co-star Kate Beckinsale, who I also think would have been a, uh, a better choice. Hmm. Rachel Bilson also. That that makes no sense. That is look. I, I like her. I, I love Summer Roberts. Different. Uh, I'm the, <laughs> yeah. the biggest OC fan. Rachel Bilson would have been even like so much worse miscasting than Hillary Swank. She would have been so different. So different. She's so modern. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I cannot see her in in this movie at all. That would have been so distracting. I, I, I have no idea who Oh my God, Summer now. and oh, Cohen. Well, if you think of it later. Dude, I cast I Kathy Bates. <laughs> She'd be great. Solid, solid choice. She's good. Yeah. She's got that, she, she's already played a psycho before. We know mm-hmm. she has it in her to do that turn, that femme fatale turn. Yep. So you don't think Hillary Swank <laughs> did it? I didn't mind Hillary Swank. I, that was I, not I, my problem. Yeah, that was not movie. my problem either. I, thought, I liked her. I thought I her did, accent choice again, was distracting. What is everyone's problem then? Everyone's saying a lot of stuff. And they're not saying <laughs> hey, why hey, hey. she's not good or not. Uh, the accent. I don't think she's not good. I think she you know, delivers the lines well. I just didn't like the accent. Huh, okay. Yeah, I mean, for me, it felt a lot of like, I could see the strain in like putting on this voice and being this type mm. of character. I mean, and because she's like, She's very, very skilled, very talented, yes. right. good yeah, actor. Keep doing the caveats, and so yeah. what's the problem? I just, I mean, the thing is, like, this movie has a lot of talented Accent. actors in it. Accent. Who don't Accent. work in this movie. And, like, everyone's, and I, I wonder if this is the case of poor direction, mm. because everyone's, I mean, look, you've got, like, Josh next to Aaron Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart is hamming it up. And he's going real big and real cartoony. Yep. And I'm just like, these two guys are in different movies. Well, Josh has always been kind of subtle and right. downplayed. And he's and so once it's hard again to get him to do mumbling through everything, which was another right. complaint I had, where everyone's whispering their shit and I can't hear it. <laughs> guys, and then can, the saxophone cuts over. And it. then a huge saxophone swell comes in. I'm like, I really can't hear what you're <laughs> guys, saying. Guys, can I read yeah. to you? And everything is important because you cut an hour out of the movie and I already don't know what's happening. Yeah. Can I read it's to you true. what James Elroy says about Josh Hart? Please. Please, Please. do. Okay. We heart him. I think he hearts him. So he's, he, <laughs> says, he hearts He hearts us. He says, you guys. Hearts yeah. The physical heartnet is my described Bucky and me. He's hmm? tall, lanky, and dark-haired with small brown eyes. Hartness' performance nails Bucky with no histrionic excess. He excels at projecting cognition. Bucky Bleichert is always measuring and thinking. He's circumspect, intelligent, watchful. He's persistent, self-protecting, and reluctantly decent. He retains a tenuous dignity uh, as Dahlia Mania consumes him. The novel is phrased as a young man coming of age in a hell of his own making. (laughs) Bucky Bleichert is solely responsible for his own descent. He made spacious moral, uh, sorry, specious moral choices early in life and brought a grievously flawed soul to the Dahlia. Hartnett captures that. He appears in every scene and narrates the film. He carries the film's Fact. moral vision. He embodies a positive strain of the Hilliker Code. I don't know what that means. You're fearful, but you always go forward. I'm going to Google the Hilliker Code. And again, I think Josh is very well cast, and I think the movie... And I actually... He gets saddled with the voiceover, which I always feel bad rough work I mean it's, it's like Harrison Ford in the yeah. theatrical cut of Blade Runner yeah Harrison Ford's great no one can make that voiceover work and, and with this even though they're pulling a lot of the uh, the voiceover like some of it is like right from the book it's just things work differently on the page than they do in the movie and especially when there's so much voiceover because so much of the movie is just a montage and they're, they're using it to like skim through events yeah, and and also they deprive his character of his main arc. 
that is supposed mm-hmm. to be there in the book. So he doesn't have all the stuff to play that the character is supposed to. Right. And so I do think Josh is closer to uh, the kind of the tone this movie needed in the performances. Yeah, the movie needed to be darker. Yeah, but also, you know, he's not... But, you know, Eckhart is on the same level as the score. (laughs) Yeah, and I... Yeah. (laughs) And so is Swank. Yeah, she kind of is too. And and I think... I can't take Aaron Eckhart seriously. And I I mean, a couple years after this, like, I think he's very, very good in The Dark Knight. And, And this, he's just... He's not, like, reined in. Yeah. He's just going too big. Not, it's not quite I Frankenstein territory, he but Frankenstein. But it's big. <laughs> so, but guys, we have we haven't even gotten to the murder yet. I have a question though. Yes. <laughs> is it about Hillary Swank? No. I've got what my answers though? and they're not satisfactory. <laughs> uh, there is a character. There is. I, I think it's probably just like a sort of red herring. But there is a character who they gruesomely describe as a pedophile who also beats old people to mm. death. Uh, was oh, that yeah. just someone who they suspected Nash. of the murder, like a, a sort of misdirect, or or what was the deal with that? Because I was in and out, and I was like, whoa, yeah. that's heavy to bring on me. And then it just never occurred again, and then suddenly it was just the Dahlia. It was like before the Dahlia even was like Yeah, I mean, I mean, the way, and they, they changed some of these events in the book. Uh, I mean, the, the way it goes, okay, the way it goes in the book is, this is just this, because the thing is, they're in the warrants department. The idea is there's like warrants for the arrest of these people and they try sure. to track them down and, and arrest them. Right. That's their whole job. And there's this warrant out for this guy, uh, so, yeah, something. I think it was Junior Nash. Junior Nash, that's it. Nice. Yeah. And, According yeah. to my note. What yeah. else does your note yeah. say about Junior Nash? Um, forgot about him. <laughs> that's what it says. <laughs> yeah, that's the right. The movie did. Um, and me. Because then he comes back and they arrest him and you're like, oh, right. Does he? I think so. No. Or he dies? I think he gets Does he come killed? back at all? I can't. I read the book and I, I can't remember. I think he gets killed. And then Josh is very upset because he walks into the house or the apartment building and there's a dead father and a dead son. There's a young, there's a little Chinese boy with a bullet hole through his head. Yeah. And he's <laughs> and really angry at Aaron Heckart because right, he thinks Aaron Heckart he was supposed sh- to have like stopped. Shot the kid. Oh yeah. Oh, I thought it was that Aaron Eckhart the whole time has been saying, I'm doing all this to get to Junior Nash. Do you see how our conversation yeah. is yeah. exemplifying yeah. I, yeah. why it's why bad? Why the movie's yeah. bad and confusing? I, I'm also remembering yes. that, that like a bunch more key stuff that's like excised from the movie. Like for instance, because they're trying to piece together the entire timeline of, like, uh, Elizabeth Short's last few days. Mm-hmm. And they discover because she kind of... Uh, I mean, that's it's in the book. In the book, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and they discover that, you know, that she liked, liked to make money. She would do some, like, prostitution occasionally. And she had actually, uh, like, hooked up with two of the other detectives in the apartment. They had, like, paid her for sex. And there's like this like corruption and like and and uh, Bucky gets them arrested, but then everyone hates like there's this whole other story where, where that, that explores like more of the corruption in the police department and them trying to like suppress evidence and all this stuff. It's not that's oh. not in there, and this is all interesting stuff. But anyway, the part the Junior Nash thing, yeah, he's just a guy that they're trying to arrest. Right. Um, when the the most evil guy. Well, well, he's he's just a a, a bad guy who they're trying to arrest when they discover Elizabeth Short's body, and then they get oh. they get like pulled away from that. They're like, "We're supposed to do this job," and they're like, "No, 
this big murder case, this is like top priority because this is the kind of like press getting thing that is going to, uh, because also like a lot of it, because he's a much bigger character in the book, Ellis Lowe, the assistant DA, who's like kind of their boss, he's kind of giving them orders a lot. And he's like, I'm up for re-election and I want to, you know, get this, I want to put all (laughs) like the entire force on this case and get it solved. So we look good. Yeah. And, and there, and that's why initially uh, Bucky's like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. Like you've got other people to do that. Like I want to do my job. And then, that's the gas man from Dumb and Dumber. Who? Yes. The, yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. Totally. I was oh, watching and I was like, where do I know this guy from? Radio. Radio. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. So that's who so Junior Nash is just supposed to be this other guy. Uh-huh. Like the, the idea of like, that's more important work that they should be doing. And then they get pulled away from it. Yeah. That guy was killing, raping kids and killing old yeah, people. He was, he was <laughs> really, <laughs> he was real bad. I know. Okay. Guys, really he bad, was a dude. bad apple. So, so, this episode is really off the rails. Yeah. We've gotten to the point where they find the body. And we mm. should mention the scene where they find the body is one of the rare De Palma flourishes in the movie. When you have a bunch of police detectives all gathering around the body. but No, he... no, no, no. Is it the Shut long up, shot from the yes. distance and it's, you it's, see the woman it's, running? It's, and... it's the big... Sorry, I feel like I'm talking way too much. Anyone, feel free to interject because we all watch the movie. Sure, it's the big right. giant overhead crane shot, right? Yeah. As we see the woman see this that's woman going find to the slowly body. stumble upon the body, and it moves away from that and back over towards the car, which is where um, Bucky right. and and I Frankenstein are hunting down, <laughs> hunting down um, uh, a case that they're I yeah, think they're hunting that they're trying down to Junior Nash, maybe I don't tackle. know. So you see the woman that's going to discover the body that will end up being the like uh, the catalyst for both of their psychological breakdowns later and it's just behind the building uh, where yeah. they're doing Ooh, their own crackdown so cool. on a personal I mean, a good case shot. between the two of them it's, it's a, good a shot. touch of evil and and, yeah. and and you know de palma loves those big slow tracking crane shots he likes to you know, have long takes and all that stuff but so. then i frankenstein kills that guy i frankenstein does kill him because he wants him dead so there's yeah. a whole other thing that's, where yeah that's, that's a the that's confusing the, uh bd what's his name subplot. again bobby, and bobby uh, denton Bobby DeWitt. Bobby DeWitt. Bobby DeWitt. And yeah. I, I, because I get, he was like secretly working with that guy, right? Yeah. yeah He's okay. like a corrupt cop this at stuff the end d- of the day. This stuff doesn't really matter. Okay. But, mm-hmm. I, but the thing is... This, well, well, why was no, it? No, well. I mean, it, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of the story, but or, or like especially like in this movie. But this stuff is condensing a few events from the book. As in like they did mm. get in like a shootout like a week or two earlier in right. the book and then they get to like press attention and they're again it's like oh these cops like kill these guys in a shootout like hey they're like you know hero cops fire and ice back at it again exactly <laughs> and then and then they're just like on a stake and, ice. and but then when uh the shootout doesn't happen right before the bodies is found in the book they're just on a stakeout like kind of nearby yeah. and nothing is happening but yeah so then it gets discovered it's this vicious gruesome Murder, the Black Dahlia murder, the infamous <laughs> Black Dahlia murder, guys. In case we forgot which movie we were watching, and then the fact that it's so convoluted too. Pet Detective, when nature calls, is the autopsy guy. He's like, the blood has been exsanguinated, and uh, I actually kind of two for two Jim Carrey movies. Yeah, I mm-hmm. kind of liked that scene. Yeah, just like you, you know, De Palma. It's, first of all, it's a scene that gets to play out in its entirety, mm. which is nice. 
Yeah. And uh, and you get that nice uh, like overhead shot that like kind of swoops down and then turns into a low angle shot. I felt they also neatly showed you some of the corpse, but didn't not very much go too yeah, yeah because it's like as a corpse yourself. As a farmer corpse, mm. um, was it a tasteful yes. amount of corpse? It in was. That scene? It was tasteful, but also I think intriguing. Intriguing. <laughs> yes. Wow, and exactly. it brings a whole new meaning to the term corpsing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Matt. For okay, sharing okay, guys, we we've got to get through this episode. Yeah. Okay, okay. We got to get through this. Movie. Crack the whip, and, buddy. No, I said like, Sorry. please, someone other than me talk, and like move through this. Well, here's the thing, well, Pat, because you've read the book, so I feel like you've been yeah. The reason you're talking so much. position of knowing the plot better yeah, than yeah, we're trying to. We saw the movie. But our whole we told you at the we beginning don't we don't know what's, what's happening. Let me go back to my notes, guys. Give yeah. me a minute. Quick, read your I notes. The notes. I, got, I have Rose McGowan in question marks. <laughs> yes. Also, Rose McGowan in a different movie than everyone else. Yes. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Doing some sort of... Cl- she's just the friend of, 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 you know... Of... Shorts. Well, she was, she was uh, an, an associate because she is, she's roommates her. with this... Uh, this girl who was in a nudie film yes. with Elizabeth Short. Well, here's the thing, but yeah, you are talking a lot, Pat. I think primarily though, because we don't know what the plot is necessarily, yeah. and you're filling us in because you read an actual story. Right. And so True. it's frustrating probably to hear a bunch of people kind of grasp at straws where they're like, and then there was this person and like, I don't know what the fuck they were there for, but then I forgot. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, no, this is what it is. It's this whole story that if you read pages of a book, you, you would, would know. know. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's so confusing. Like for instance, Lee, right. Mm-hmm. You're saying he's obsessed with the block Dahlia murder. I thought, I didn't know that he even gave a shit. I thought he was just a crooked cop who was, something was about to bubble to the surface when, Bobby DeWitt comes out of jail that he wanted suppressed because he was doing all this corruption earlier. Yep. Right. And then Bobby DeWitt just appears and there was a thing with the pedophile that I thought was more important and I thought it had something <laughs> it to do like with it. it. And important. then he gets garroted and there was yeah. clearly a female figure in shadow and I was like, uh. and then yep. that just went away. So basically what I'm saying is that it never... It, it, it never occurred to me that Lee was obsessed with the Black Dolly. I agree. Yeah, I'm actually just when, when Jake brought up the fact that he had like a, a wall of stuff with her, that's the only mm-hmm. time that... Which I, was again... I, yeah. I, it's clicked for me that he was obsessed with it. Yeah, yeah. and, and the, the way they changed it in the movie in. was yeah. he's using his uh, uh, Bucky's father's old apartment to right. store all the stuff. What actually... Yeah. And they have... I see now how confusing this is because the movie has little bits of, of things that happen in the book. You have the scene yes, in the movie where uh, Bucky arrives at Lee and Kay's house, and she's like throwing out like all these like pages of of evidence and notes about the case, and is like, "You need to get these out of here. You're yeah. too obsessed with this." And that's when he moves it all into. Uh, a separate apartment well, well, he rents out? No, 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 no. Into, he asks Bucky if he can use his... <laughs> remember, uh, Bucky moved his father into a nice retirement home with no, the money yeah, he, yeah, he made from the fight. And so he's like, hey, can I, can I store the stuff in your dad's old apartment? Right, okay. I so don't it was weird that. that the dad never came back. So I wanted him back? to come yeah. back. All I'm saying is I'm not joking when I say I don't know how it ends. Uh, I forgot. <laughs> I don't know why the murder happened. And uh, I just know that the, the wife... That part I think I understand. Kills herself. Sort of. Well, okay, we're skipping way far ahead. Because right, we, right, we should right. talk about Lee dying. Okay. Oh, that That's was, the big that center set piece of the movie. So mm. you got fire and ice. Honestly, right? <laughs> fire what, and ice. Yeah. What? Oh, oh we should also on make, the case. The audience has no. The listeners have no idea what we're talking about with that. They're 
uh, Bucky and Lee's nicknames given to them by the press when they're hyping up the fight mm. because of their different demeanors are right. Mr. Fire and Mr. Ice. Yeah. Aaron Eckhart, I Frankenstein is fire. <laughs> and Hartnett, who's icy normally, is ice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Correct. You That's know, right. It sort of fits what you would think anyways. That's right, um, It's like good <laughs> cop, bad cop. And so yeah. basically Bucky shows up at this location um, and he gets into an altercation with Faster. DeWitt. Yeah, I know. I got to talk about it. He gets into an altercation with DeWitt and then sees some suspicious activity going on in the balcony above him. Right. And he notices that it's his partner. It's Frankenstein. He's up there and he's, he's in a tussle with another shadowy figure. And so no, he doesn't see a shadowy figure. Creeping no, no, up behind he, him through shadows. There's, there's two shadowy him. figures. There's yeah. one person Ooh. going with like the piano wire to strangle yeah. him. Right, right, right. And then another shadowy Ooh, figure. Ooh, and who could yes. it be? And it's Hillary Swank. It's someone with, <laughs> it's someone with <laughs> a thin yes. neck. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They could and, have done uh, a better job of hiding that. Yeah. What if it was the, yeah. instead of the black swan, it was a black swank? <laughs> That's just an idea. Anyway, keep going. So anyways, um, Lee is getting strangled with a wire up in the top part of the balcony. uh, And Hartnett, what's going on with Joshi? He's He's like running up the the stairs. stairs. I mean, slow motion to help his friend. It's a Brian De Palma movie. It's slow motion. He's running up stairs (laughs) in slow motion. Unsuccessfully trying to save a person. Unsuccessfully trying to (laughs) save him. Um, the shad- the second shadowy finger with the long finger, finger, finger. Oh. Uh, with the long neck Ooh. is walking over. <laughs> the shadowy, shadowy finger. finger. <laughs> that sounds nasty. All right, um, walks up to Aaron Eckhart in his tussle, and then sli- <laughs> and then slits his throat and cuts through the garrote wire. Right, yeah. and then they, him and the other guy that he was no, fighting with, that. both topple over the railing. And then in the slowest of slow, oh, motion, slow motion falls, yeah, and you Bucky can kind watches. of almost see where like they're attached to a wire as it's falling. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't yeah. even notice that. I will say, like, that as much as I was, I, I didn't like the way they changed this from the book. Mm-hmm. I thought this was one of the more effective scenes in the movie. Yeah, I mean, because basically, De Palma, he pretty much just contrived this new scene to be yeah. like, I want to do a big suspense murder scene. <laughs> Let me do it. Yeah. Let me do things in slow motion because there's nothing, no other chances to do that. Yeah, in not there. even at the end. Um, yeah, and I, I can't wait till we get to like the showdown with the killer because I'm gonna read to you like a little excerpt from the book because okay. that should have been so much better. Yeah, let's blow through. Let's just keep. So let's they blow topple over the end. Frankenstein's head tired. cracks way open by yeah. hitting the tip of an obelisk that's like in a fountain in yep. the center of the lobby. Classic <laughs> death. It just like smushes, and then they're on the ground. That's the noise it makes. And they're on the ground. They're dead. Gross. And Bucky like is looking over the railing, and then he gets clubbed on the head and knocked out. And, and then uh, it's gangsters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once oh, again, we're confused. Yeah. Okay. This was also an, not in the book, yeah. and a weird thing where then then a bunch of gangsters just are incinerating all these bodies, <laughs> yeah. and they're just like, "Hey, Bucky. Yeah, this is what we gotta do. Yeah. Say, <laughs> you say, understand, say right? Say goodbye to your friend. Make him a crispy critter and put him in the flames. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, do what you can. Say goodbyes, and he literally goodbye is like, to goodbye and walks away. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you understand it's our hotel, and then he just throws his best friend in a fire. <laughs> yeah. And he and he says he just says fire and ice a couple times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah this is where that comes in. Yeah. 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 And so also. A major thing we did not mention, although, I mean, it was in the little first paragraph of the plot synopsis that I read, but I feel like we should go back and address it. Uh, Bucky ends up, while he's, like, cruising lesbian bars based on, <laughs> based on a tip that he got from Rose McGowan, mm, who's, yes. just like, an aspiring actress in an Egyptian movie, uh, 
he he sees this woman at this bar who looks a lot like the Black Dahlia. And Katie, yeah. Lang, Katie Lang's there. And Katie Lang, Katie Lang is, is the there. singer in the lesbian bar. Okay, but can we just go back to that for one second? They make a big thing throughout the movie about how Hilary Swank is like the doppelganger of <laughs> the Black Dahlia. Yeah. They, they have the same hair. They're both brunette. They have a similar build and hair cut. Yep. Other than that, <laughs> they really don't bear a strong resemblance enough that, that like people would be Not telling Hillary Swank's character, you know like, I done? just saw your twin walk through the lesbian bar the other day. <laughs> they could have like, just right. had her play both roles. I, they should have. Yeah. Oh, De Palma's according done that to in the you. past. I know. Literally in his previous movie, Femme Fatale, he had an actress play I the mean, same character. And is, in a couple other movies. I know I'm undermining my point, which is that she's great, <laughs> but... <laughs> Well, if she played both parts. Then. Comfort, it's funny you there mentioned that, is. though, because I read a review of this <laughs> That's movie. That's the answer. I read a review of this movie where yeah. somebody was saying they were in the audience, and he's like, it started to become funny the amount of times that they mentioned, and she looks just like the Black they Dahlia. Really because he was really like, the movie theater, the critic that wrote this review was like, everybody started laughing, and it became like a chant in the audience where anytime anybody said that, the audience would go, no, she does not. As, <laughs> right? As Thank you. I'm so glad I'm not the only person who felt she that way. Not. But like, to give you an idea, like again, to talk about the book, because that's that's my role on this episode. Yeah. I, this becomes a thing where that character, through yeah. the book, she just has a habit of basically, she'll like intentionally dress up and like style herself to look more like the Black Dahlia, yeah. and it'll just go to bars and just like pick up men because they're like they're drawn to her because it's like it's a thing. It's almost like this like sickness that kind of infects so many men, especially like servicemen. Yeah. Like in LA around this time where they just have this they feel this need to like protect this woman. And so she'll just go to pick up men by like making herself look more yeah. like the Dahlia. Yeah, like, not, not what, what I picked up on in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah which covers like either. a theme that the movie is trying to grapple with fails because it's too busy skittering around like a fucking maniac scene to scene. But the idea is that this one murder insinuates itself into the minds of like so many people. Yeah. Like a like a dark evil seed. Right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it drives them all crazy. And so we should mention so Josh first is like interview uh, he like goes and questions her and is like yeah. do, you, do you know anything about her? Anyway, uh she pretty much is just like hey, don't tell people about uh about seeing me here. Also, let's hook up. But also <laughs> come to my house and have dinner with my weird rich family. Yeah. And then yeah. you meet her Scottish father yeah. and her miserable mother mm-hmm. uh, who is like all drugged up on she's a bunch so of stuff. Funny. Yeah, she's so funny. And then her weird and then her weird little sister who in the book it always talks about her her sister is unattractive and pudgy and she's just a nice attractive young girl. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's like she's not the unattractive little sister. Yeah. Um, no. But then who just likes to draw. But right. don't forget the stuffed dog. Oh, that was so Balto. funny. Hey, that, that was funny. And yeah. that's, that's from the book. I, I enjoyed that little moment there. Yeah. Is that in the book? Yeah. All, all the taxidermy dog where like when, when the dad <laughs> oh, made God, his first yeah. million, he that wanted to celebrate it by killing, killing his dog. Killing the dog. Yeah. And yeah. Shot him in the head. Because the dog this brought dog, him yeah. the newspaper that told him he was making the money or something. <laughs> yeah. So he had to kill the dog that's and really stuff funny. it. That's really funny. That's a psycho Put dad. a newspaper in its mouth forever. Something yeah, like and uh, and that part is kind of entertaining. It's like this it awkward is. dinner table conversation where the mom just freaks out at one point and is clearly miserable. You know what the other parallel is that it reminded me of? Town and Country. Ah! Don't you dare! Oh my bring god, that you're right. The I, best scene in Town and Country is another dinner with a rich eccentric family where the comedy finally is a comedy instead of in spite of itself. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Comfort. 
You haven't seen Town and Country, I, have you? I have. Seen oh, wait, no. but a long time, like a long time ago, oh, no. and on a, the movies, no on, a plane, on a plane, you've been infected. You listened to it. I know. I, I don't remember anything about it except. Does Good. he like fall down outside of a balcony <laughs> one time? No, 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 no. Comfort. Yes, that's, that's the, the movie, movie poster. Okay, cool. So maybe I haven't seen it. No, but I he ha- does. I mean, he does. Great. And that's it's really all I remember funny. from the movie. That's uh, that's still the worst movie we've covered on this podcast. Really? Yeah. yeah. But uh, so those rich that. people. There's a lot of people like big names in that movie, right? I know. Huge we names. we did not Same think it could this. possibly as bad True. as it is. Yeah. But. Oh yeah. So basically, so anyway, uh, after this dinner, uh, this like like wacky dinner. You think that- they're just classist or something? Like Josh is like. Yeah, it's almost like the Notebook when she brings. Mm. Mm, this could have yeah. been his Notebook moment. No. Could have been it. The but, mom doesn't like him. Right. But the, da- but the dad. The dad is a fan because <laughs> the he's, dad is a fan because again he's the kind of like this hero rich, cop mostly because not. of his boxing. And uh, anyway, it's the, the Notebook. Then then they go to like this like little motel thing and have sex, which becomes like a recurring thing. And uh, and so then, so yeah, so anyway, so Lee's dead. And then <laughs> Josh and Kay, like in their shared grief, finally get together. Yeah. And they start hooking up. And there's one of my favorite moments in the whole movie. When he rips mm-hmm. the tablecloth when off. When he the rips table. the tablecloth off. And her shirt. He like yeah. rips all the buttons off. I was he like, does. oh, that's but more probably expensive. <laughs> they have a table full of. Well, covered in what looks like a wonderful meal. Covered in dinner. Yeah, and he grabs a tablecloth and forcefully rips it off. It's, it almost looks like he's trying to do the like the trick where it, you know like and the flowers are still standing. Yeah. Mm, yes. He's almost he going fails. for that. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, they get together. And it's supposed to indicate passion. Then what happens? I wrote not sexy for that part. <laughs> it's not, not sexy. Not and, sexy. And, and that was no. real life chemistry we were witnessing that's true well, i mean i yeah. love scarjo but she's like, well they didn't work out so not a great actor in this one i don't mm. think she I doesn't it. have a lot to work with no but they I also don't think give her much she's kind of one-dimensional she's going for like she's also in a different movie with her it feels like she's very much trying to do a kind like you know the kind of like innocent blonde woman from a noir movie mm-hmm. and and it, it felt like she it, and again it feels like like a to me, her performance is a little bit strained because she's trying to imitate this specific kind of thing. I feel like, yeah, her and Hilary Swank are each imitating different types of performances from this time period that the movie is going for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is what happens, yeah. right? They, they have the bodice-ripping kind of like yes, yes, yes. romance novel-style hookup finally after years of pent-up, you know, passion yeah, that I didn't feel at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and they, hurt, they ruin a beautiful dinner. Then the next day, like he goes to fix the tiles in her bathroom and like finds the stash of money, which is the giveaway that Lee had been what had been involved with uh, DeWitt and some of those shady dealings, you know, cause he, he, he met Kay through her relationship with DeWitt. She was a prostitute or yeah. something. She, yeah. Uh, I mean, she was something kind of like that. And he pimped her out. Pimped I think out, she yeah. says at like one point. Yeah. She wasn't a prostitute. It was more that she ended up together with he, like, this bad made guy. Her sleep with other yeah. Who, who did, really bad things to her. And then, I mean, I, I can get into the stuff in the, in the book about no. this, but it's not important. Let's just do the movie at this point. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, there's parts where I'll have to mention the book because it, it is actually important. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, anyway, they, they discover that, yeah. that she essentially has been keeping a secret. And he's right. mad. And he's like, when would you tell me? And she, through her silence, says no, essentially. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I wasn't going to tell you. Uh, I was afraid you'd get mad. But so then he's like, you're a liar. 
and uh, storms back to Hillary uh, Swank, and he storms back to Hillary Swank, where he runs has back to his lie. Essentially, does the same thing where they again they start hooking up really like intensely, mm-hmm. like very fast, and I'm like Josh. Ch- chill, man. Like you're <laughs> cool, it, buddy. Like I thought you were like depressed and like trying to find this, this person. Is his coping mechanism. Yeah. And instead, he's just like, I, yeah. Anyway. Okay, but then, but then the next morning, mm. ScarJo is waiting outside with her car and right. sees them hooking up in the she's, window. She's just there. And, and how he does comes she out, know he, that exactly? He's there. He comes out. And he's like, "Did you follow me?" And she was like, "Well, yes." So she followed him that night, and did she wait all she, night? She had to yeah. until chilled. the next morning. Yeah, she yes. sat on the hood of her car for eight hours. What? And I was I like, this know. is going to okay. look cool really soon. All right. I'm going to catch something. I'm just going to wait. <laughs> and he sees a picture of a clown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? And it ends up being the cl- murder clown or something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Actually, yes. guys. Fuck, man. I wrote WTF with clown in all caps. <laughs> okay. Uh, since, since you are the ones who just... I've only seen the movie. Please go through the rest of the, of the the plot because I'm dying to know how you interpreted it. We'll try. Oh yeah. <laughs> all I can time you got is like okay. By the way, the that that whole part that we just covered about oh. about the like jumping back and forth between like relationships mm-hmm. in the book that takes place over about a year. I know. And yeah. and I'm just like this is where things start get moving crazy fast. And I'm just like, what are they doing? It's like. <laughs> and, and and this is also the, getting into like the really fun territory of the book, and they botch so much in the movie. So please, just go through and tell me what happens. So he sees the big scary clown picture. Picture. Yes. And he it, he makes a connection. Our listeners haven't seen the movie. It's a painting it's on the wall disturbing. of a clown. A These painting are on the wall of a piece clown. episodes. You should have seen the movie. Yeah. <laughs> should we put this on the website? And so basically, Bucky is like, "Hey, I've seen this picture." this painting of this clown before and he realizes where he's seen it and it's at Madeline's home Hillary Swank's no home, no 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 he saw it in the, he saw it in the footage of uh the pornographic film Sh- Elizabeth Short's pornographic, pornographic film, film which he realizes through in- a conversation he overheard yeah with with uh uh Hillary Swank's dad he remembers that he mentioned the old uh like Prefab houses underneath the Hollywood Hills sign. Guys, you're actually okay. misremembering the movie. Oh boy! Can I well, tell you what happened? That's easy to do. Sorry. Uh, he's watching an old movie. Mm-hmm. Well, the he, Laughing Man. Yeah. No, oh. But, yeah. but uh, that's earlier. And that's yes. when him and ScarJo were holding hands with, yeah, with Lee because of teeth. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like fucked up teeth, but somehow she likes Josh. Yeah. yeah. Well, he did that fixed early on. Yeah. No, the thing that happens is he's watching an old movie and he notices that the the set in a bedroom matches the set from the the nudie film right. that Elizabeth Short was in and then at the in the credits of the movie it says it special thanks, thanks the, yeah, to uh, oh, the dad can I make one minor little note of course yeah so uh, Madeline's family their last name is Lynn Scott yeah in the book it's Sprague <laughs> S P R A G U E. Well, that sounds like a troll's name. And so. I'm like, it's, it's Madeline Sprague. <laughs> and I'm and I'm just like, why did they change just this one name? Well, because it's a wealthy family, and Sprague sounds like a troll's name. Yeah. <laughs> and they want to make it sound classier. The troll probably. in Central Park. If I had to guess, if I had to guess, De Palma <laughs> was like, Sprague. it sounds too much like a goblin. We need to make it classier. That's totally what happened. Because as we all know, yeah. Brian De Palma has a long time fascination with goblins. Yeah, he hates yeah. them. He just <laughs> needs to get him out of anything that he's doing. He doesn't even want people to think about him. Can Sorry. I do a change? I'm scared. 
continue. <laughs> Please continue explaining uh, what happened. All right, so that's how he finds out well, about that. I then... didn't. I didn't understand how he got from. I do remember that he saw like the set and remembered that it matched the set. What uh, that her house matches the set. I didn't understand how he knew exactly where to go to find that set all of a sudden. Well, he traces from the credits of the movie, right? The the information goes back to Madeline's her family. dad. Right. Yes. Right. And he manages but to then... piece this all together because he sees he puts like those, that information together that it was on the back lot of how the the movie studio where the dad used to have connections to right. Mm. And no, then part. Of, okay. Yeah. Keep, keep and going. then what is like the big visual piece of information for him? Why we brought up this scary picture of the smiling man was that smiling man is something that he recognized from their home that is also reminiscent of the way the murder victim looks with her mouth cut open. Yeah, right? but what Comfort's saying, and I them. think what you're not answering is that... <laughs> <laughs> I have a question here, and Which is, we don't have an answer yet. how do you know to go to that yet. specific building in the prefab housing yes. stuff underneath the Hollywood sign? Yes. I don't know, okay? <laughs> there <laughs> anyway, is he no does find, answer. Okay, so here we go. But he, he does find it. it. He finds it. He goes inside. Yeah. He, he's like, oh, there's a thing, so blah, blah, blah. And then there's a shed in the back, and he's like, I'm not finding enough evidence back here, so what I'm going to do is check out this shed. He breaks into the shed... There is a mattress no one decided to dispose of, covered in blood, covered. and yeah. her hair, yep. and there's the same painting of the smiling man yep. that he intuits is sort of up above him. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then... And then what, what he, he sort of figures out something... <laughs> <laughs> and then... About how Madeline's family did it? Her yeah. mom... <laughs> Her, Wait, but he doesn't just, know her so mom did it. So does he then go to Madeline's house? He then breaks back into Madeline's house. And Madeline house. is like creepily with the dad. And she's about to yeah. make out with her dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like everything, the big reveal he, happens. And then he's basically. like, I have a gun. What is you, what's going on? <laughs> and then the mom's like, it was me. And then she blasts her face oh, off. Oh, yeah. That was, that was really intense. <laughs> the mom does. She started wheeling right at the end. So, yeah, he breaks into but the why did the, why, So uh, that's where I'm totally so that, at scene. That got confusing, but I actually understood what happened there. No, so what ha- did happen? Oh, so, okay. Okay. So, I think. They're Pat, in, I they're in Madeline's family's house. They're in the house. Okay. And he realizes there's a weird thing going on with her dad. Yeah, then right. the mom comes out, and you realize that she's a little bit like wackadoo. Crazy. Um, yes, and we knew that from but the she reveals too. what actually happened, which is that guy George, who was mentioned earlier by the Scottish father, George Scottish George scars all over his face. Right, yeah. he has yeah. scars all over his face. He was actually Scarjo had a <laughs> <laughs> wow wow. I'm sorry, was, I've, I have a mental okay. illness. Okay, <laughs> no, that that was actually appropriate. Okay, yeah. that was funny. Um, anyway. <laughs> It was funny. That was very anyway, nice um, You didn't need to do that. I know. I tried to be really nice. Damn now I can't remember roasted. what I was saying. Oh, so she had an affair with Georgie. Yeah. And the mom Madeline, Madeline, Madeline is actually Georgie's daughter. Okay. Biologically. So she doesn't have a connection to the dad who she's maybe sleeping with. So that's a good thing. Yeah. And um, so it justifies their makeout. So it's totally cool. Yeah. Um, totally just normal. like her stepdad. Yeah. And when now the, it's hot. <laughs> When the <laughs> Scottish dad found out, he like acid rained on the on Georgie's face. Dude, so that's how Georgie's face, face got messed up. And so, so Georgie used to be beautiful. Georgie was once a stunning, strapping man, apparently. And then, oh, but Georgie has always had an, a, a strange fascination with Madeline that is like possibly sexual. So then, yeah. when he finds this girl who looks so much like her. Okay. He kind of gets to, you know, uh, whatever. Her, yeah. Yeah. Yep, sure. They actually and then kind of set him up with her. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. Like, right. The dad is. says Sorry you can. Interject. No, you're totally but, right. But you guys are you're doing a great job. Comfort. Thank keep, you. Keep it going. This to get is him off like the, the only part that I followed for yeah. some reason. I guess so. Yeah, to get him right. away from his actual biological daughter. Uh-huh. But Unclear whether he knew that he was the father of Madeline. Anyway. Right. Um, he sets him up with the Black Dahlia. Sure. And then he kind of has his way with her, but ultimately it is the mother who kills Cause she her because she's jealous. Jealous. Yeah, she's, she's jealous. jealous right? Why? For sleeping, with, for sleeping with Elizabeth Short. Right. Yeah. And, and that's why around. Madeline looks like her. Uh. <laughs> Well, Georgie <laughs> was obsessed with Madeline, he so he picked her because she looked like Madeline. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so confused. I don't know why the movie ends and, the way it does. And then more stuff happens. And then and they then, carve up her face. To then look the like mom the hits her with a painting. baseball bat. Yes. And then carve up her face. They carve up her face. They don't Connor explain why they do such a gruesome ending part. Yeah, yeah, that was more well, than I could do. The family stuff is yeah. very, very and then strange she and blows confusing. Her brains out. Right, and, and then, she, yeah. she does kill herself. She kills and Josh herself. bears witness to all of this. All of it. The family is appropriately arrested <laughs> for all of this stuff, and and the, also they Madeline's co- not. They, right? they, they confirm that that she killed Lee. Exactly. Yes. Um, right. Oh yeah. Yes. The, sorry. Thank you. Yeah. And she's like, who are they going to believe? We have Madeline. Money. Did. Why did she kill him? Because he was snooping around. Yeah. Lee was blackmailing yeah. her father. Yes, that's yeah. right. Somehow. Uh, yes. yes. That yeah. is right. So uh, it, yeah. in the book, it's because he figured, like through other stuff that I won't explain now, he figured things that, that, out what had happened. But because Lee, he kind of realized, like, was more crooked mm-hmm. than, than he seemed. He seemed like a good guy, but he actually mm-hmm. was a pretty, pretty crooked cop. In, in, in the book, what happens is he blackmailed him for a bunch of money and then just, like, fled down to Tijuana. Sure. And uh, and then what happens in the book is uh, Madeline went down there and ended up, up killing him and chopping him up with an That's axe. so Jeez. cool. And burying him. And there's a great part in the book where Bucky, like, pays this, or forces this private eye at gunpoint to, like, show him this. And then he digs up Lee's chopped up body with, like, ant, or, like, like worms crawling out of his eye. And uh, it's better than the movie. Oh. So the Super gross. Blocked out. Oh. Blocked out. Yeah, God damn it. The Black Dahlia dies simply because she the mom... She looks like Hilary Swank. She looks like Hilary Swank? Well, the yes. mom was jealous of her father's canoodling. Sure. Even though he's or, all sorry, scarred Sorry, her up. husband's canoodling with her, yeah. No, not her husband. No, Georgie. Georgie. She slept with yes. Georgie, right? Yes. Wow, this is a great this episode, is very, guys. very, very convoluted. Okay, you know so, what? So the movie's like... bad. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> But, but Pat, I think our confusion is at least uh, elucidating. Yeah, <laughs> confusion is elucidating a point, which is what a lot of people had yeah. issues with. The, people took issue with this movie for the same reason. Yeah, I'm which smart, was and I did the average. <laughs> we're geniuses, and we're as average geniuses. geniuses, when we watched this movie, we were lost so quickly so in the yeah. movie. Lost. Yeah, and so I mean, lost. like, like I think we have confirmed that to follow this movie, you've got to read the book. Yeah, and then yeah. you do read the book. And then you're disappointed by the movie sure. because they just mess it all up. Yeah. 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 And like most of this stuff happens. And can I just, because I got to talk about the book again, but can I just talk about my favorite things that they excised from the book? Sure. So sure. Georgie is like still alive in the book. Yeah. And Georgie, yeah. Okay. And, and there's the point uh, at when Josh has like, Josh slash, slash Bucky, after he, he confronts uh, Madeline and Emmett at their house, and he leaves. He discovers that the mom was involved like days later. 
At this point, it's, like, just Georgie. And he goes to, because uh, Emmett, like, owned these, like, shitty properties. And he, like, let, uh, you know, Georgie kind of take care of them as a caretaker. And Georgie had also been kind of blackmailing um, Emmett a little bit as well. And uh, He just gets around with this blackmailing. I know. Yeah. Yeah, and so, uh, <laughs> but And so uh, Bucky goes to this house. He breaks into this house that he thinks Georgie is at. And he's like, looking around the house, and he smells formaldehyde. Mm. He goes to this room. I want to read this little excerpt here, because this should have been in the movie, because it's Patrick's cool. reading corner. <laughs> so it says, says, The walls were lined with shelves holding jars of preserved organs. There was a mattress on the floor, half covered by an army blanket. A red-headed scalp and two notebooks lay on top of it. I took a wheezing breath and forced myself to see it all. Brains, eyes, hearts, and intestines floating in fluid. Oh my God. A woman's hand, a wedding ring still attached to her finger. Ovaries, glots of shapeless viscera, a jar filled with penises. <laughs> Gum sections replete with gold teeth. And then it, like, goes on. And then you get, like, and then Georgie shows up. And they have this fight scene where, like, they smash into the walls and the shell and the, and the penises jars. fall down on yeah. them. <laughs> they have, and, and they, it rains dicks on them. And it's great. But then, like, the end, the end of it, so this is the end of the, the fight. It says, the shelves collapsed. Georgie fell on top of me, blood pouring from an empty eye socket. Damn. I saw my forty-five on the floor a few feet away, dragged the two of us there and grabbed it. Georgie raised his head, making animal screeches. He went for my throat. His mouth huge in front of me. I jammed the silencer into his eye hole and blew his brains out. God damn it. And like, I want to see that in the movie. Wow. That rocks. Yeah. And so also. This has been an episode of We Heart Heart Night. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd like to wish everybody a good night. Comfort Sweet dream. <laughs> but that like, that would have been. I, honestly, if that scene were just in the movie like that, I would have just given this an extra star. Oh that my would gosh. just. That's, wow. that's gripping. I mean, grizzly, also the thing is, grizzly like, like, and gripping. The, the book is is like <laughs> almost never G&G. that gross. It's like there's the gross description of the Dahlia herself, and then there's that, yeah. and it's like the, this is not like a nonstop lurid book. But then also, the way they handled the reveal of uh, of Ramona, Madeline's mother, being involved is really suspenseful and like you see the clues clicking together and he figures it out himself this involves other it does involve the painting but involves the painting in like a cool way and involving characters that are just not in the movie at all Mm -hmm. and and it's just i mean my main point here that i want to make is uh brian de palm is a great director and this is is. this is just not his best work and uh honestly this is a tough story to fit into just two hours and uh the book well, is great did. and don't watch the movie and read the book it's like it's about 300 pages it's not a super long read and it moves pretty quickly and it's a lot of fun yeah all right yeah cool. and I, I really really wish i could have seen david fincher's three and a half hour version also starring josh he did zodiac he got his chance it's funny it's almost like there just happened to be historically another murder in la i already said that fell in his lap right uh, oh. uh jake Zodiac I'm really is, confused Zodiac is right in now. San Francisco. Uh-oh. Oh, it's in San Francisco. I didn't yeah. Say that. So I'm wrong on two parts. No, okay, uh, guys, we got... You. Oh, well, guys, most important me. part. Comfort, did you want to say something? Um, I did, but then I forgot. <laughs> well, I'll... Oh, I do have one thing to add, or yes. a question, since you guys have been going through his movies. Is this the first time that uh, Josh has butt nudity? Yes! Yes! That yes. is correct. It is. Interesting. I made we a note of that as well. Yep, that's we a minute. We didn't get it in 40 days and 40 nights, surprisingly. No. I know. Really? You get a little butt nudity. Straight up, yeah. double-cheeked up. Yep. <laughs> it's all there, folks. DCs. 
Yeah. Also, another key thing in terms of the Josh filmography, he almost directly quotes one of his most famous lines. What? Okay, no one else noticed this. Hmm? He, uh, there's a line where he says, pretty spooky. <laughs> and remember in Blow Dry when in his strained English accent, he goes, pretty spooky that. Pretty, pretty spooky. spooky that. Oh. Yeah, and I thought it was... I laughed really hard when he said pretty, pretty spooky. spooky. But right. So the movie just fizzles out. <laughs> I'm eating on Mike, which is actually really bad, sorry. Oh, and and, uh, <laughs> and Bucky and, and Kay, uh, Josh and ScarJo, get back together. Yeah. yeah. Well, credit's hard. That, yeah, like, that literally, happens. the end appears yeah. as they walk hand-in-hand hand back into back her house. Into, after and he's then, just seen the like vision yeah. of her body and the crow. Yeah, which, yep. But which, she's, he's leaving it behind. Right. And, but mm, you get the sense it's going to haunt him forever. And once done? again, that's basically what happens in the book, but it's way better there. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I just wish, I almost wish I could see that hour. Like, as much as the two hour version we saw yeah, felt but, but, long, but, uh, I would at, love at to same, see what was in that hour. The hour, I'm sure, would have, I mean, literally, if the writer of the book says it was better, right. then I believe that it was right, better. Exactly. But at the same time, I still feel like there are just fundamental problems, yes. like w- whether it's the performances, whether it's just the, I, I, I'm sure it's still condensed because it was not like, like Fincher's three and a half hour version had all of it. And right. and even De Palma's director's cut was still like fifty pages less of script yeah. than mm-hmm. the original one, and mm-hmm. uh, it could have been. It's just, terrible. I mean, it's just we wasted potential. It honestly makes me want to go back and watch L.A. Confidential, which I haven't seen in years, just because, you know, I remember that working way better, and that's like Elroy done well. Yeah, I'm not trying to ruin all Elroy my memories. Done well, Roy. <laughs> okay. What were you saying, Matt? What? That was just a moment with me and Jake. Sorry. So, final thoughts. So, <laughs> okay, so. I'm going to cut that out because that made no sense. No, it did. When you listen back. Um, so, do we have heart ons? <laughs> um, so, so, Comfort, I know you've listened to the show before, but I have, I have. We, uh, we, 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 at the end of each episode, we rate our sort of like grading scale is so we say if we have a heart h-a-r-t heart on or not and it can be for the movie it can be for josh very frequently we don't for the movie and we do for josh mm. and that's how we do this and Guess uh, how it's gonna be for this <laughs> and i'll kick it off um no no heart on for the movie mild one for josh <laughs> uh i i I, I think he he's like pretty solid, but it's like, but the the film excises so much of that character's arc yeah. and and what he's supposed to get to do that I feel like we missed so much of what the performance actually is, and it's hard to grade. Hmm. Um, I'm gonna essentially second Pat's opinion, but I'll uh, yeah, I'll just say that there's no emotional weight to any decision any of the characters seem to make because of how muddled and rushed the film seems to feel. So it just makes it hard to connect to literally anything that's happening on screen. Yep. Yeah. Fair. I know it's boring, but I also agree with that. Yeah. I clearly, I mean, I started just not pay attention about an hour and 20 minutes in because uh, I was just annoyed with how unforgivably boring, again, something with this much like murder and, and potential for intrigue could be. And, uh, yeah, I, I felt bad for Josh, which I have been feeling a lot with these movies, where I'm like... This seems like such... Oh, I mean, just think about this. He signed on 
when David Fincher was directing. I know. It's based on like classic source material. And once again, such a sure thing. Things just don't work out for him. And yeah. I would be even pumped if it was like, oh, Fincher dropped out, and then you'd hear De Palma was involved, and you'd still great. be like, great, like amazing suspense director, like perfect for the source material. I know Josh was giving a decent performance, but yeah, because his character was deprived of any kind of growth or anything, he just was once again just this vehicle in service of a story that was dumb and boring and not very sensible to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So no hard ons for anybody. For anyone, Anything. not at all. Okay. Josh for Josh gets an A for effort, but it's real lackluster. <laughs> Fair and um, comfort. I'm gonna go with no for the movie. Sorry, just, mm, just it's cool, man. Yeah, I, for for many reasons that have already been articulated. Um, and then for Josh, I'm gonna say yes, just because <laughs> I feel bad right now. And, um, <laughs> And and because I wrote smoldering eyes like so many times in my oh, notes. Oh, we know that. Yeah. So right. We've probably spoken you've probably seen mo- them much many more times than I have. We've just we've <laughs> yes. I, I, okay, I'm going to make a declaration right here. I believe that we that the three of us have spent more time speaking about Josh Hartnett's eyes than any other human on earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we and we agree in this way. Matt says that they're Brock eyes. I yeah. think he looks like a cat, and Pat thinks that they are hard to read, like they're mysterious and dark and brooding. Yes. Mm. Do you have your own quirky description of his eyes? I whoa wow! I'd really have to think about that. <laughs> That's a lot to drop on someone. Yeah, right I now. just I just don't know if I can form the words at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Um, actually, um, before we leave, uh, comfort first question: um, Do you have a favorite Josh Hartnett film? Oh my. Can I say blow dry? Of course. Yes, you, of course yes, you can. Great, because I have not was... seen that many of them. So, <laughs> unfortunately, and that's, I think, all I'm left with. Oh, oh you know what? I've seen Lucky Number 11. Hey! hey. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with that and right. sound much cooler. Oh, yes. Not necessarily. It is cool. <laughs> Listen. No, 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 Jake. It's Slule. Oh, fuck. Oh. <laughs> we had oh. to. Okay, so guys, I think, I think that's the fuck. end of an episode. I think, I think it's the end. It's, it's the, the end. There's just nothing else. This was let's wh- just do. Let's just make like Brian De Palma and just decide. Just put the end on the title. Just How like, did this become our sleepiest episode ever? Because this movie. Oh boring. no! This is my fault. Yeah. No, no, you're never no. gonna have me it back. Is, it is not you. I promise. <sighs> okay. It's not you. Okay. It's the movie. It's a yeah. big old bowl of mush. Yeah. And yeah. we're just yeah. slopping through it. It's a it. tough one. It's yeah. A t- it really this, was. this one just kind of bums, like, bums me out more than anything else. It's yeah. Just like, all the wasted potential. Yeah. Yeah. And the story of the actual Black Dahlia, like, doesn't, doesn't... really get told at the end of the day. Like, did you see in the Wikipedia that Maggie Gyllenhaal passed on that role? Because she yeah. was like, I don't think this does justice to, to well, it, it, it is yeah. also yeah. fictional. None yeah. of this happens. That's true. Yeah. I mean, That's other true. than her d- getting murdered. But she's focused on so little, I feel like, relatively speaking. Speaking. Yeah, it's kind of James Elroy's fault, though. No, right? Well, not really. No, no she's like joking. a yeah, she's a big part of the book. Yeah, I mean, look mm-hmm. in the book, Josh's character flies to Boston to like interview her former friends and coworkers. Mm. It's like they 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 really like flesh out her whole life. Wow. In the book. Oh, wow. And uh, but yeah, anyway, guys, I think that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, comfort. <laughs> Sorry, no more from me. Comfort, where can people find you or see your work? Well, um, I'm on IMDb, and the only social media that I have is Instagram, and it's just comfort underscore Clinton. And I have a website that's also my name.com. Um, but that's it. 
I think. And they can see you in television Okay, shows? well, yes, on yeah. the television, yes, if you are so inclined. And you move in pictures. Look, the you move them in the uh, pictures. Comfort, you're our only the guest flickers. who can plug <laughs> multiple TV shows okay. in which you have speaking roles. Then please great. plug Please them. watch The Daily Show and please watch Billions, which is probably the most recently relevant and uh law and order and elementary just watch them all yeah check well, them all is, out. Is it, like check imdb to find out what episode she's in yeah and then just watch those episodes yeah sure yeah. yes or watch all of it if you want to yeah actually do that yes yeah, do that exactly Cool. And uh, and and me, you can watch the videos that I make with these guys at youtube.com slash Patrick H. Willems. Follow me on all the social medias at Patrick H. Willems. And Jake. Follow me on Twitter at JRTorpy. And uh, I'm also on Showtime, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to be part I of it. I know. Too. I'm on Stars. Uh, <gasps> Ooh, I'm bit part of the glow. Ooh, and, very good. Uh, I'm also at Matt.Sucks uh, on Twitter. Or no, on Instagram. Fuck. At Matthew Torby on Twitter. And guys, we are on Twitter uh, at HardHeartNet and send us emails HardHeartNet at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We read all your reviews. So go write us reviews on iTunes and rate and also subscribe. Do all of those things. And we will be back here next week with a brand new episode. I am looking up what it is. Resurrecting right now. the Champ. Everybody. It is Resurrecting the Champ. Yeah. More boxing. Yay. Samuel L. Jackson, Yay. Josh Hartnett, Dukes up.